Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for the next three plus hours tonight on this Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Plenty to get to throughout the course of the show tonight. Um, obviously, we will preview this Eagles-Washington game on Tuesday night right here on WIP. Finally, the Eagles will take the field. We'll got get into that, obviously, throughout the course of the show. We'll recap a couple games on Monday in the NFL. Not the most, Not the most entertaining games to watch, but certainly consequential in both the AFC and the NFC. Uh, the Eagles continue to get very little help across the NFL this week as the Vikings beat the Bears. They improved to 7-7. Seven and seven. Another team the Eagles vying with for that final wild card spot in the NFC. So we'll get into that later on. We'll get to the Sixers, who get a win in Boston on Monday night, but it continues to be a struggle. It continues to be, you know, difficult to watch this team and difficult to watch Joel Embiid just need to carry the load single-handedly every single night. And, I mean, he was able to do it on Monday. It was a, an unbelievable performance by him down the stretch on both ends, especially offensively. Some of the shots that he made down the stretch, like you're you're kind of yelling at the screen as he's taking them. Oh, that's not a good shot. But what other choice do you have? I mean, you don't have many other options. Sixers down a number of players Again on Monday night, but they find a way to get the win in Boston. So credit to them. Credit to Joel Embiid, who continues uh, to just carry this team. We'll get into that a little more later on as well. Uh, and a number of things uh, to get to and to uh, you know talk about throughout the course of the show tonight. But we will obviously start with the Eagles as the wait is finally over. You know, presumably these days the wait is over. I guess you never definitively know that uh, this game is going to happen. But as of now, the game's scheduled for Tuesday night, 7 o'clock right here at the link as the Eagles take on the Washington football team. After 16 days, which during a football season, let's face it, it feels like an eternity. Like it's been closer to a month than a week than we've seen the Eagles play. But they will finally be back on the field as they host Washington after this two-day delay following the bye week as I said it feels like a really long time ago that we last saw them out on the field against the Jets when Gardner Minshew stepped in for Jalen Hurts and the offense scores on its first six possessions uh that feels like ages ago 
but the Eagles get the opportunity to finally play this very meaningful game on Tuesday night. And obviously over the last few days, we've talked about the decision to move this game and how it impacts the Eagles. And in that regard, my mind has not changed at all. The Eagles got screwed. I mean, plain and simple. The Eagles got screwed by the NFL. They were punished, essentially, through no fault of their own. I mean, the Eagles, as far as we understand it, according to the things that they said last week, be it Nick Sirianni, be it uh, Darius Slay, some of the other players on the team, the Eagles did everything they could do on their end to have this game be played as it was scheduled on Sunday. I mean, they took it upon themselves to wear masks around the facility. They took it upon themselves to take extra precautions so guys weren't landed on the COVID list uh, left and right. Now, you can only do so much. I mean, Landon Dickerson does end up there anyway. Andre Dillard added on Monday. Hopefully that's the extent of it, uh, especially on the offensive line, because let's face it, now the Eagles are put in a difficult situation on the offensive line. They're going to have to start Sua Opeta at left guard, assuming that Landon Dickerson is not activated. I mean, cross your fingers and hope that Jordan Mulata or Lane Johnson does not go down during the game because now you lose your backup tackle in Andre Dillard. And, like, this is the situation that the NFL has put the Eagles in and one that I think is unfair. As Washington continues to get players back, Montez Sweat, who if you link things back, seems to be where this outbreak within the Washington locker room originated, he now gets to play on Tuesday night. And the Eagles' offensive line, I wouldn't say is decimated, but they're down some significant pieces. I mean, Landon Dickerson was playing very well this season. Andre Dillard, when he stepped in earlier this season, did a nice job. And now the Eagles are down a couple guys on that side. And I don't believe it's right that Washington was really rewarded and the Eagles were punished uh, while they did everything under their control to prevent positive uh, tests and to prevent infections on their end. And it has nothing to do with a free win. It has really has very little to do with, you know, the fact that you want this for the Eagles this week. It has much more to do about the strain that it puts on them moving forward. And now you look at the fact that they're going to have to play, I think it's three games in 13 days. You have a quick turnaround against the Giants next week. And no, I'm not worried about the Eagles beating the Giants. I mean, uh, the Eagles should have beat the Giants last time. I have no doubt they're going to beat the Giants the next time. But you have guys like Jalen Hurts, who is recovering from an injury, and was a full participant at Monday's practice. It appears like Jalen Hurts will be the starter on Tuesday night. That's good news. But you have guys like Jason Kelsey, who's been banged up this year. These veteran players, they rely on that week full of preparation, that week full of treatment to bounce back for the following week. And that is something that they're going to lose. And it could have a ripple effect over these last few weeks here as you look to try to get these guys in playing shape for a very critical stretch run where you have four games remaining. You might need all of them at this point, judging by the events of this weekend, all within the, the, the division. And this puts the Eagles in a difficult situation. And while that fact remains, it is now time to look forward with it being game day and evaluate this game 
and evaluate the task at hand here for the Eagles. Because regardless of the disadvantage that they have been placed in, this is a game that they desperately need to win. When you look around the landscape of the NFC right now, the Eagles sit 6-7. and seven. As I mentioned, they got no help from anybody this weekend. Whether it was the teams they're going against for the wild card spots, the Vikings, as I said, they beat the Bears on Monday night. The Saints pull a shocking upset over the Bucks on Sunday night. The Niners win again. Uh, you look at the Arizona Cardinals losing to Detroit. That's not good for the Eagles. That makes that final Week 18 game against Dallas much more likely to mean something to the Cowboys. And the Eagles are in a situation now where they really need to win these games. And regardless of the disadvantage that they have been placed under, this is a game that they desperately need to win. And, you know, they control their own destiny at this point. Coming into this game, coming into this week, I thought the Eagles would probably need to win three of four. You know, I thought three of four, you get to nine and eight, that's probably good enough to get you in the postseason. That's probably good enough to get you that seventh that seventh seed and get you that final wild card spot. Now I'm not sure. Now you might need to win all four of these games. But regardless of whether you win, need to win three down the stretch, whether you need to win all four, there's no doubt you need to win this one. Like, this is a game at home against Washington, a team that I think the Eagles are better than. And even with the loss of Landon Dickerson, this is still a game the Eagles should win. I mean, Washington is getting guys back, but they're still going to be shorthanded. We don't know at this point, and this is, you know, why this is kind of a tough game to evaluate. We don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback for the Washington football team in, you know, 17 hours. It could be one of four guys. Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen, as of now, remain on the COVID list. One of those guys could come off. It could be Kyle Shermer. It could be Garrett Gilbert. We don't really know at this point who's going to be playing a quarterback for Washington. But this is a game the Eagles need to find a way to win. And with the rest, with the extra preparation time, there's no excuse for them to lose this game. This would be, I mean, make no mistake about it, whether the Eagles got screwed or not, this would be a horrendous loss if they dropped this game to Washington. A team that's shorthanded, a team that very well may not have either of their top two quarterbacks on Tuesday night, and even if they do, I think the Eagles are better than this team. I think at full strength, the Eagles are better than Washington. At full strength, this is not a game the Eagles should lose. You know, you're going to have a crowd that I think is going to be really fired up, really excited, considering this is the most meaningful football game we've seen in Philadelphia in almost two calendar years since the Eagles played Seattle in early January of 2020. This is the biggest game we've had since then. I think you're going to have an excited crowd. I think the team's going to be fired up. I think the team is upset about the way this was handled. I think they're ready to go following the bye week. I mean, they've been sitting for a long time now. And whether you're worried about the rust factor or not, I do think that is something the Eagles are going to have to battle 
early in this game? I mean, you haven't played football for close to three weeks at this point. That is something they're going to need to contend with. But this would in many ways be an inexcusable loss. And when I look at this game, I don't think the Eagles are going to lose. But division games are tough. And I think this one will be tough as well. Uh, but ultimately, I like the Eagles to win this game. I'm going to go 25-22. I think it's a tight game. I think, um, you know, Washington, regardless of who they have out there, they're going to be able to keep this game close. And it's going to come down to the Eagles needing to put some drives together late and the defense needing to get some stops late. And I don't think this is going to be like an easy victory for this team, regardless of who they're facing from a personnel standpoint on the other side. But I ultimately think the Eagles win this game. As I said, I'm going 25-22. I think they got out a win, but it won't be easy. And, you know, if you want to get in to start the show, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. I want your predictions for this game, and I want your confidence level of if the Eagles will win because the season's on the line. Like, make no mistake. And it's been a while since we've watched football, uh, Eagles football, and we're diving into a big one immediately. Because if they lose this game, the season is over. And we can start talking about those long-term topics that, you know, we discuss from time to time, but it will become uh, more of the main point. And I don't want to get there yet. Like, I don't want to be in this situation where with three weeks left in the season, the prevailing topic is what do we do at quarterback moving forward? Or, you know, what's the future of this roster? And what do the Eagles do in the first round? This team has a legitimate chance to make the playoffs. And if they win this game on, uh, on Tuesday night, their chances don't necessarily go up significantly, but if they lose, their chances go down significantly. And it's a critically important game. Whether they need to win three of these last four, whether they need to win all four, there's no doubt about the fact they need to win this one first. Uh, biggest game of the season, one the Eagles absolutely need. I want your predictions and I want your confidence level on if the Eagles will take care of business. Because I know Washington's down players. I know on paper this is a game the Eagles should win. But there are things to be concerned about. When you have this long of a layoff during an NFL season, this is not something that players are accustomed to. Like, they're not used to sitting for close to three weeks. These guys are creatures of habit. This is going to be something they're going to need to contend with. You know, execution early in the game, I think, could be an issue for a team that is sat out for a while. They should be more well-rested. They should, I think, have the advantage as this game gets later, gets into the latter stages from a stamina standpoint. But there are some concerns, and I want your thoughts on it, your predictions, um, if the Eagles will win this game, and, and what are you looking for in this game on Tuesday night? 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. Let's get it started on the phones with Pete in L.A. What's up, Pete? Hey, thank you. Thanks for the talk to you, Tom. You're the man. Uh, everything you that early monologue, you did a wonderful job because you pretty much put everything on the table. Um, I guess my point is I just want the Eagles to win. I think we all want them to win because 
I, I don't even live in Philadelphia anymore. Obviously, I follow every all four sports teams, but we've been suffering a little bit. It, it is like I almost feels like with the having the bye week, it almost feels like the anticipation I had when I was going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I know that's like extreme. But, it's a little extreme, Pete. I, I'm. I got to tell you, I'm not feeling the same kind of uh, kind of Super Bowl vibes for this Tuesday night game as you are. Um, but is it wrong for me? You know, you know, everybody's like, okay, after Gardner and Chew played and having this break, and there was a glimmer of hope in my eyes that Minshew was going to play if the game was on Sunday. Maybe he, uh, I think I heard Ike say that that uh, Jalen was going to play on Sunday anyway, but I want to win now. I, because especially this year with COVID people are like, well, we're going to see what the future is. Well, you don't know, get in the playoffs. Who knows? You might be playing like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers and someone gets hurt and you could almost do what the Toronto Raptors did and just walk in and win a, a title. And you guys would be able to, well, I might even have to fly in for a parade. I just want to get in. Yeah, well, Pete, yeah. And, and, I mean, the odds are obviously stacked against the Eagles making some kind of deep playoff run. We all <laughs> right. understand that. But, like, I agree with your statement. I I never agree with, like, you know, especially once you get into this stage and you're this close, oh, well, it's better to lose these final few games to get a better draft pick. Like, okay, you're looking at what? The difference between the 10th overall pick and the 17th or 18th overall pick. I think it's more valuable to get in the playoffs, get that experience. And like you said, the odds are that you wouldn't be able to make a deep run, but you never know what can happen. You never know who's going to go down, especially these days with COVID kind of, you know, being a factor. And I agree. I think it would be important for this team to make playoffs. And I think we're everything. Everybody's just chomping at the bit to see the Eagles play. And all see if Jalen hurts because he is starting. See if he can rebound because people. You, you said, well, I listen to you pretty much every night whenever you're on. You know, quarterbacks. Look, look at Tom Brady. Couldn't even score one point against the Saints. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see if Jalen hurts can bounce back. So I guess that is kind of a future mentality. But boy, I would. <laughs> people keep on saying that that uh, Minshew was throwing the ball behind even though this passes to um, Goddard. But I feel I feel like they kind of have some type of synergy, and I was hoping to see that again because uh, I felt like, you know, so far this year we've seen a lot of anemic offense by the, uh, by the Eagles. Yeah. And um, so that's just me, but I'll let you go. I'm going to go to bed. It's well, yeah, you get late some, here, but get some uh, uh, have a Merry Christmas if I don't speak with you. And all the best to you and your family, okay? Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Pete. And uh, have a good night. But, yeah, I, I think – and that's that's a big storyline from this game, and that's what's what I'm most interested in. And I think what most Eagles fans are most interested in at this point is how does Jalen Hurts respond? Because, I mean, it feels like a really long time since we saw him on the field. If it feels like a long time since we saw the Gardner Minshew Jets game, uh, you know, the Jalen Hurts Giants game feels like forever ago. And let's face it. That was a really poor performance from Jalen Hurts. Now, leading into that game, he was playing very well, and I think it's important we don't forget about that. I mean, he's coming off two of his better games as a pro against Denver, against New Orleans. Granted, the Eagles did predominantly move the ball in those games by running the football and Jalen Hurts using his legs and not really throwing the ball down the field. But 
that last performance against the Giants was very, very concerning. And when you see what Minshew did against the Jets the following week, I mean, it, it, it's it's something that cannot be ignored. And there is pressure on Jalen Hurts tomorrow night. I mean, there is, a, or, or later on tonight, there's a lot of pressure on him. In a big game, I mean, the biggest game he's played in his career, and this is a line we're going to continue to recite over the course of the next month, assuming the Eagles stay in the playoff mix here and Jalen Hurts stays on the field, these games get bigger and bigger. And, like, I don't worry about Jalen Hurts caving into pressure. I mean, this isn't a guy, uh, you know, coming from a Division II school, not referencing any quarterback in particular, but Jalen Hurts is coming from the SEC and the Big 12. Like, he's played at Alabama, he's played at Oklahoma, he's played in championship games, he's played in college playoff games, and, I mean, certainly they're pressure-filled environments, but you're now in the NFL, This these are big games coming toward the end of the season that you need to win to get to the playoffs, and you're coming off one of your worst performances as a pro. And you look at earlier on this season when the offense was scuffling and Jalen was struggling, I don't think he got a lot of blame for those performances. I wasn't blaming him a lot for those performances. It was a lot more Nick Sirianni, the play calling, the guys around Jalen Hurts not getting the job done. But I think that Giants game was on Hurts more than everybody else and more than anybody else. And you look at a guy like Rager, sure, he took heat for it, but... Uh, th- that was a, a poor performance. And Jalen Hurts needs to respond, and he gets an opportunity uh, on Tuesday night. So I want to know, how do you think Jalen Hurts is going to bounce back uh, from one of his, certainly one of his worst starts of the season against the Giants nearly a month ago at this point? Because it does look like Jalen Hurts will be on the field. He was a full participant at Monday's practice, um, and he will be out there on Tuesday night. So do you think the Eagles will win? Your confidence they will in a game they really need. And how will Jalen Hurts bounce back uh, from that last performance against the Giants when he did not play very well? 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, uh, I will give you uh, some keys to this game and also the Eagles playoff odds because the difference in their percentage chance to make the postseason hinging on this game is significant. Uh, Whether they beat Washington or lose to Washington, uh, it changes significantly. So we'll get into that as well. And also, a hypothetical that I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I heard Jody mentioning during his show, in regard to Jalen Hurts and the quarterback situation, uh, that I want to talk about as well, because I think this is going to be an interesting scenario if the Eagles find themselves in it on Tuesday night. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Got open lines, start the show. I'm Tom Kelly, Dan Wilson producing right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. We will get into the Sixers a little later on as they're able to got out a win in Boston on Monday night. If you want to get in, you're welcome to. 215-592-9494. Joel Embiid just continues to carry this team. And, you know, 
we talk about the Ben Simmons situation and how this is going to transpire, and we'll get into it more, but it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating that this season seems to be being thrown away in a way uh, because of the holding pattern that this organization has been in. And, uh, you know, they really can't move forward until they get this deal done. And unfortunately, there's no deal to be made right now. And it leaves you in this situation where, yeah, you watch this team play and you watch Joel Embiid and Joel Embiid is phenomenal. And you're obviously happy that he's a sixer and you enjoy watching him on a night to night basis. But other than that, there's not a whole lot to enjoy in regards to, to watching this team play. But uh, Joel Embiid able to able to carry them to another victory on Tuesday night, 16-15, and 15, and uh, at least a good win for the Sixers to get shorthanded against a division rival in Boston on Tuesday. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. But talking about the Eagles in Washington tonight and the critical importance of this game, and obviously – it's a tough game to evaluate because you don't know who's going to be on the field. You don't know who's going to be on the field for Washington, obviously. I mean, we'll see who they get activated on Tuesday. They seem to be getting guys back each day. I'd assume they get more back on Tuesday, but obviously the position you're looking at is the quarterback spot. Now, as I understand it, they have until 4 o'clock on Tuesday to activate these guys. So I guess that would mean... Their quarterbacks need to test negative, that being Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen or Kyle Allen, or they'll be left with Kyle Shermer, who I don't believe has ever played in an NFL game before, the son of former Eagles coordinator, and that one game he was the head coach when he took over for Chip, uh, Pat Shermer, and then they have Garrett Gilbert, who's been around the league. He played for Dallas last year. I remember they had a game at home against the Steelers last season where Garrett Gilbert stepped in and actually uh, played okay. But, I mean, you could have four different quarterbacks uh, possibly starting for Washington on Tuesday. And it makes it a very difficult game to evaluate. But there's no doubt that the game is supremely important to the Eagles' playoff chances. And as I mentioned in the first segment, he's got very little help this weekend. You were certainly hoping, and I'd say expecting, the Saints to lose to Tampa Bay. That did not happen. Saints 7-7, seven and seven, they remain very much in the playoff mix. I was hopeful that the Vikings would lose in Chicago. Um, I thought there was a chance. The Vikings are not that good. Primetime Kirk Cousins, all of those factors at play. But the Bears are just that bad. And we'll get to the Monday night football game later on. But, my God, watching that Bears offense is horrific. Like, I can't imagine what it's like to be a Bears fan. And this has been for, like, my entire lifetime. Like, I can't remember them ever having a quarterback who could do anything. And I think Justin Fields has some potential. But they need to they need to get a new coach in there. They need to get him coached up. Because that offense is completely broken um but they lose Vikings get that win Vikings move to seven and seven and the Eagles sit here at six and seven as are Washington and I view this really as an elimination game like when you look at where these two teams are with this bunched up kind of uh, slog of teams going for this final playoff spot in the NFC it's looking increasingly likely 
that you might need 10 wins to get it done. You're certainly going to need nine. Uh, and I think this game's essentially an elimination game on Tuesday night. When you look at the Eagles' playoff odds here, here is the implications, or are the implications, if the Eagles were to win this game and lose this game. And this was courtesy of Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. If the Eagles beat Washington on Tuesday night, their chances to reach the playoffs are at 38%. If they lose this game, it drops all the way down to 6%. So, uh, you know, not making too much of this. This is a critically important game and one the Eagles really need to win. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494, your confidence that the Eagles will win this game. And when I look at this one, like, as I said, it's not the easiest one to evaluate because you don't know who's going to be on the field. But the Eagles need to control what they can control. And being the better team, as I think they are, and I expect them to be, there are things that the Eagles can do uh, to make sure they win this game regardless of who's out there for Washington. Number one, I think they need to get the run established early. We know that this has become predominantly a running offense, especially with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Uh, it's kind of the way that you need to play right now. Until Jalen Hurts can become more polished as a passer, until he can become more efficient as a passer in kind of the short and intermediate uh, game through the air, you're going to need to rely on the run game. And I think it can really help the Eagles in a number of ways. It's been the key to their success recently, and it can help this offensive line out, especially when you have a guy like Sua Opeta starting at left guard who is inexperienced. I mean, we've seen him a handful of times. He played in a few games last year for the Eagles. I think he started that Thursday night game that the Eagles play against the Giants. But running the ball early can kind of get in an offensive line in a rhythm. And when you have guys like Opeta, guys like Herbig up front, even though Herbig has played more uh, than Opeta has, and I kind of view him more as a veteran, that can kind of settle those guys into a rhythm. And I think that's going to be important. The Eagles need to get their run game established early and need to stay ahead of the chains. We know this is not a good offense when they get behind in the chains, when they find themselves in third and long situations. They're just not built to play that way right now. So they need to run the ball early. They need to be able to establish that part of their offense. Number two, when you do throw the ball, they need to get Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard more involved in the offense. Like, if those guys between the two of them aren't being targeted 12 to 15 times, you're not doing right by your team. And for Nick Sirianni, who has preached, you know, it's going to be about the players. We want to get the ball to our playmakers. Those guys need to be critically involved in the offense. And, I mean, the usage of Devontae Smith, I don't get it. It hasn't been substantial enough really over the last month. I mean, the last big game Devontae Smith had was the game in Denver. I mean, you're talking about, what, six weeks ago at this point? Even against New Orleans, Devontae Smith wasn't targeted a ton in that game. You didn't really need him a ton in that game, granted. I mean, you were able to run the ball so effectively. But against the Giants, against the Jets, Devontae Smith really didn't get involved. That can't happen again. He's your best offensive skill position player. He needs to get the football. He needs to be involved in the offense. So you need to find a way to get him the ball, and you need to find a way to get Dallas Goddard the ball. I think that's got to be a focal point for Nick Sirianni. 
for Jalen Hurts in the passing game to get the ball to your playmakers, get them involved. And then defensively, and this applies to the defense, regardless who is a quarterback for Washington. They need to get pressure with the front four. And this is something we've called for really all year, and it hasn't happened. I mean, the defense has not been good enough at getting the quarterback. And we can yell all we want at Jonathan Gannon for not being aggressive enough and not blitzing enough. And in some respects, I think those criticisms are fair. I do think in some instances, Jonathan Gannon does need to be more aggressive. I mean, you look at the end of the Chargers game. I thought the way he played that at the end of the game was was terrible. And it really didn't give the Eagles an opportunity to get a stop when they needed one. Uh, the final drive against the Giants, where the Giants don't end up getting any points, but you allow them to just kill a substantial amount of the clock in the fourth quarter. That was an area in which I thought Gannon needed to get more aggressive. But let's address the real problem here. And the real problem is that the defensive line's got to play a lot better than they have this season. I mean, Fletcher Cox gotten hammered all year. I get it. The guy makes a lot of money, and he hasn't been good enough. Um, I would hope that coming off of this extensive time off, maybe he'd have a little burst left. Like, this is where we're going to find out whether Fletcher Cox has anything left in the tank or not. And this is where the Eagles may actually benefit from this long break, is those veterans, you know, some of those defensive linemen who have had wear and tear on them, if this kind of helps them get rejuvenated. You look at a guy like Hargrave. He was great early in the season. Seemed to be wearing down. I mean, he'd been not really very effective over the last few weeks. You need more pressure from him. I mean, you need Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett, who, I mean, I've kind of given up on Barnett, but you need these guys to get after the quarterback, um, and you need to make that job easier on your defense. So I think those are some massive keys of the game where the Eagles really need to get pressure and get pressure with the front four and take a little bit of heat off Gannon. Like, he shouldn't need to blitz at this kind of high rate. You should be able to get pressure with your front four with how much you've invested into your defensive line. And I think, in a lot of ways, that defensive line has been the biggest failure of this roster this year. For as much as we talk about the wide receiver position, the defensive line being as ineffective as they have been uh, has been troubling. So the Eagles certainly need to get pressure on the quarterback uh, to start this game as well. And when you look at Jalen Hurts here getting the start, I've said and I continue to believe that if Hurts is healthy and, and he's truly healthy, like if he's really ready to go and not a semblance of himself, but actually can do all the things that he's accustomed to doing, he should play. You know, if Jalen Hurts is 70, 75% of himself, I'm not sure that makes sense because you know he needs to utilize his legs. You know he needs to be a factor in the running game. And if he's not, he's just not all that effective. But if Jalen Hurts is truly healthy, he should play. And you look at the reports, full participant practice on Monday would lead you to believe that he's ready to go and he'll be out there on Monday night. Now, I am worried about he, how he will bounce back on a short week when you look at the fact that he gets hurt in that Giants game. It takes an entire week before the Jets game, not ready to go. 
after a bye week comes back. If this game was played on Sunday, I'm not sure Jalen Hurts would have played. I mean, you see the videos of him walking around at practice in the middle of the week. Certainly didn't look all that healthy to me. I mean, it looked like he was limping around. It looked like he was favoring that ankle. Um, And if that was three weeks after the injury, that he still wasn't fully ready to go if this game were to be played on Sunday, sure, I have concerns as to whether he'll be able to bounce back in five days after playing a full football game on Tuesday night. But if he's healthy, he should play. And I hope he plays well, and I I hope he plays every snap the rest of the year. I think it's important for Jalen Hurts and his development, and I think it's important for the Eagles to get an evaluation if they are going to go with him next year. And we've talked about the scenarios next year. I think it's still very much up in the air right now. Um, The options available don't seem to be all that enticing to the Eagles. Deshaun Watson doesn't seem like he's going to be traded anytime soon. Uh, Russell Wilson, I wouldn't be willing to give up multiple first-round picks for Russell Wilson seeing the way that he has played this season. Uh, You know, you look at the rookie quarterbacks coming out, none of them are that highly heralded where you'd want to trade up to the spot that you'd probably need to to get one of those guys. And if there aren't many appealing options, it seems like Jalen Hurts could be the guy next year. And if that's going to be the case, you want to see what he does the rest of this season. You want to see how he plays down the stretch. You want to see how he plays in these kind of big games. Um, And I expect him to play well. I think Jalen Hurts will bounce back, and I think he will play well in this game Tuesday night. I think he'll play reasonably well the rest of the season. But I did want to throw this out there again because Jody brought it up on his show, and I brought it up over the last couple weeks here as well. But, you know, if you're in a situation in this game on Tuesday night, where the Eagles' offense is struggling, and they fall behind Washington, and say you do, and the the, the hypothetical that Jody threw out there is you get to halftime, and you're down, you know, a touchdown or so. Now, I think it would need to be more than that. I think if it's a single-digit game, you're probably leaving Jalen Hurts out there. Um, but say the offense is anemic, and you're not picking up yardage, You're not scoring points, but more than anything, say you're not running the ball effectively. Because if you're not running the ball effectively and Jalen Hurts is not showing the ability to beat Washington with his arm, I think you would need to make a change at that point. Because regardless of what the the goal was coming into the season, like we all talked about all offseason, the goal this year, being what do you finding out what you have in Jalen Hurts. But those goals change throughout the course of a year. And you've gotten to a point now where it's about making the playoffs, at least to me. And I think that's what it should be about to the organization. And if you do get to that point and you're not running it effectively, Hurts is not showing the ability to throw the ball down the field. And Washington is pretty much just daring you to throw the football, and he's unable to take advantage of it. I think you need to go to get to Gardner Minshew in that spot. I, I think you need to, and it's not about 
pressure from the fans in the stadium. It's not about, you know, pressure from media or anything like that. I think you'd owe it to your team. I think you'd owe it to your team if Jalen Hurts is struggling and say the offense looks a lot like it did in that Giants game and you're unable to make plays through the air, would you make that change? And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494, 215-592-9494. But I think you would need to. I think for guys like a Jason Kelsey, you know, uh, like a Lane Johnson, some of the older players on this team who may, this might be their last opportunity to go to the playoffs. This might be their last year in the NFL, in Jason Kelsey's case, if he were to retire at the end of the year. I think you would owe it to your team to give Gardner Minshew an opportunity. And as Jody and I were talking about during the crossover, I don't think that would necessarily mean that Jalen Hurts is done. I don't think that would mean that you can't go back to him for the following week. I think you absolutely could. But the priority at this point, to me, is to make playoffs. You know, the development, the learning about what you have in Jalen Hurts, I think you pretty much already know what you have at this point. Like, any kind of change in his abilities, I don't think is going to really come over the last month. I think that would come maybe after an off-season of development, an off-season of work, and next season you could see a significant difference. But I think you kind of know what you have right now, and I think you'd owe, owe it to your team to go to Minshew in that spot. So I'll throw that out there as well. If the Eagles are behind and they are not moving the ball effectively, would you go to Gardner Minshew? I think it's certainly something they need to at least, at the very minimum, consider. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. What's your take on Eagles-Washington? And would you consider going to Gardner Minshew if the offense is struggling on Tuesday night? A few of the things that we have out there tonight. Uh, when we get back, I do want to give you something uh, that I really enjoyed from social media on Monday. So we'll give you that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday into Tuesday right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. If you want to get in, open lines right now, 215-592-9494. In a minute, I need to pass along a shocking fact in which I heard on Monday that I still, I can't comprehend how this is actually, how this is actually possible. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, but first I, I wanted to give you, normally this would be a social media gripe uh, segment, but I don't really have a gripe today. Um, and in a piece of news, the Giants uh, shut down Danny Dimes for the year. So the Eagles will not see him next week. They will see, I would presume, Jake Fromm. I mean, uh, you would think they would start him at this point because of how bad Mike Glennon has been. But my social media uh, thing today involves Mike Glennon. And, Dan, I don't know if you saw this on uh, Tuesday, but did you see this tweet from BetMGM, which I think is uh, one of the better graphic tweets that you'll see? Because if you have ever seen Mike Glennon, the one thing that you'd observe about him is he has just a freakishly long neck. Like, it is, you know, not to, not to mock the guy. We talked about this last night a little bit. I, I was discussing this with Tyre. Like, there are certain, certain things that, even in this new 
era of political correctness that you should be able to mock. Like, I was upset yesterday watching the Bengals-Broncos game when Tim Patrick went over a corner and, and caught a touchdown. He did a gesture like, this guy's short. And, like, I'm a short guy. I'm fine with you mocking short people. You like, weren't offended by, no, the, by no, the short and, gesture. No, and I've given I've given clearance to anybody. You can mock short people. I, I'll say on behalf of all short people. We're, we're a group that you you are, speak for the short community, right? Okay, you can you can you can mock short people, and uh, we won't take offense to it. I'll, I'll say the next time I make a joke, I'm going to say Tom Kelly told me. There you I go. can make the joke. Thank there you. you. Okay, uh, but you look at Mike Lennon. Like we should be able to make fun of people with abnormally long necks. I think, and they tweet out a picture of Mike Lennon, and in place of his neck, they just put all the teams and all the money that he's earned from those teams. So I thought that was a good tweet. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I saw there was another meme on Sunday that was circling around comparing Mike Lennon's neck to – it was a similar graphic to this. So this might have been not copying but kind of going along with the trend of making fun of Mike Lennon's neck. This has been something that's been going on for a while. The dude, I mean – It's a free, It's freakish. His neck is freakishly long. I mean, I mean, look, it's apologies to anyone who maybe feels more sensitive about the length of their neck, but the guy's a giraffe. I mean, it's huge. It's 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 a little it's odd. It's like it's, it's startling when you see it. It's yes, it it is startling how long his neck is. I don't know what genetics have to line up to get a neck that long, but it, but it's funny and hopefully he has a sense of humor about it. It's been going on for this long, you would imagine he does. It's not something I think to take offense to. He's just got a long neck and in this case he's Stolen money from six NFL teams. Yeah, so I enjoyed that tweet, and he's one of these guys, and man, what a job that's got to be to be a backup quarterback who's really not very good, and you very rarely have to play. Like, Chase Daniel's been doing this for years, where you can bounce around from team to team. You're in one place for one year, and you go somewhere else for a couple years, and maybe you play one game every in every 30 and if you perform okay that's going to get you another contract so credit to Mike Lennon he's made a lot of money no one has any expectations for you right to not be very good and hopefully he's on the field for the Giants next week I just can't imagine they'd actually start him again I mean the way that offense is played I just they they got it they got to at least try somebody whether it's either him or from the Eagles have zero excuse to lose that game even on short rest no and they shouldn't have lost it uh, a couple weeks ago either. So uh, that was something from social media that I liked. And if you want to get in, got open lines, 215-592-9494. If you want to talk about the Eagles game. Um, and I know, I think, you know, it's a difficult game to evaluate. And I think that might be part of the reason why, you know, the chatter around it, we, we haven't really talked that much about the game, honestly. It's been more about the postponement and the situation regarding it. And, hey, we don't know who's going to be on the field for Washington. I think that plays into it as well. But it's a critically important game for the Eagles. So if you want to get in on that, you're welcome to. But I also needed to pass along this fact that I couldn't believe when I heard it. Because I guess this is kind of our our New York sports check-in segment with the Giants quarterbacks and then the Mets uh, earlier this week, or over the weekend, I guess, they hire Buck Showalter to be their manager. Now, Dan, you're a baseball guy. I was floored when I heard that B- Buck, Showalter, uh, Buck Showalter is only 65 years old. That cannot be true. Like, like I... 
Buck Showalter has to be in his 80s. There is no way. When he appeared on Seinfeld in the mid-90s, he looked like he was 65 then. How is he only 65 years old? This it doesn't make any sense. He's to me. one of those guys that's been old forever. I'm trying to think of another celebrity example of that, but he's been the same age. Like he looks the same age for the last 30 years, and he's been such a baseball lifer since he's been very, very young that it feels like he's been around forever. I know exactly what you're talking about when he was on that Seinfeld episode. He looked like he was in his 60s then, and he's just been coasting on that same age ever since. So when when, when George was hitting in the batting cage, and he was teaching Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams how to hit. And Buck Showalter was in that episode. That was 25, 26 years ago. Midnight, either it was 95 or 96. Buck Showalter was 39 or 40 years old. He looked like he was in his mid-60s at this point. It makes no sense to me how this guy is only 65 years old. Yeah, no, he It was, can't be true. I, I refuse to believe refu- it's true. You refuse to believe it's true. I refuse. I, it just can't be true. He Well, he hold on. He wasn't in the Jeter... He Are you sure? No, he was in the episode where George starts giving, because that's where George is practicing abstinence, and so therefore his mind is clear, and so he starts telling Jeter and uh, who was the other guy? Was it Bernie Williams? Had a hit? Yeah. And it was a different episode. It wasn't the one where he was calling for the cotton jerseys, and he tells him that they should wear cotton because that would make it better for them to go play, and it would be less hot. Wasn't you might that a separate be, episode. You might be right about that. I'm yeah, not no, he, sure. He wants the cotton jerseys, and he starts telling. Let me pull his IMDb up here. Who was he it? Who him. he starts fixing another guy's swing in the clubhouse, and he's because I I can distinctly remember. I forget whose episode it was, and then he goes up to Buck and says, "How are things going?" And Buck goes, "Well, there's something wrong." Was it Danny? Tartable? Oh yeah, he goes, it was well, Tartable. He goes, "Yeah, well, there's suddenly a problem with Tartable's swing, but besides that, all's going well." A okay. different episode. Yeah, so it was okay. So it was this is even earlier? It was 1994. Yeah, the Buck Showalter was in Seinfeld, so he had to be like forty. He had to be. He was like thirty-eight. He was like a few years older than me. He was a sixty-five-year-old, thirty-eight-year-old. I, I just this is this is shocking to me. I, I, I heard it over the weekend, and I can't stop. I, I I cannot comprehend how Buck Showalter is 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 only only sixty-five now when he appeared to be sixty-five. I'm trying to think of like another example of a celebrity, like. I don't know why this is the first mind that comes to my head. Would you say that Bruce Springsteen feels like he's been old for a while? I'm not going to lie. I don't even know what he looks like. I know what he sounds like. I don't know, like. I don't know what he looks like. I know like. you're not a music guy. You have no idea. If Bruce Springsteen walked in here, you'd have no clue? No. I wouldn't know. I, I would not know. know what he looks like. Okay, so bad example then, perhaps. Um, I'm trying to think. So there's someone in sports. There's got to be people in sports who, like a lot of these old athletes, like Larry Bird feels like he's been old forever. Yeah. Like, I think some of these guys just reach a certain age. They become old in everyone's mind, and then they just age another twenty years before our eyes, and they don't look any different. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This is what happened with Buck Showalter. Uh, this this was just crazy to me. The I white mean, hair I, too. He had white hair in that episode. Yeah. He's only like not even forty. I, I just I I could not I could not believe that that he was only sixty five years old. But uh, you know, I just remember him in that Seinfeld episode, and it was shocking to me. And speaking of Seinfeld. Uh, if anybody's watching this season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, it has been it has been great. Larry David still got it, man. It, he's, it's unbelievable. He's the best. It is unbelievable how good he still is. And uh, did you watch this most recent episode? I haven't seen oh. the most recent episode yet, but I've it's, seen all of the ones up to this point. It's 
it's it's on un- it's unbelievably. Where's the rank with the episode so far? Because I've been very pleased. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty funny. I mean, it might be the best one. It was oh, um, high expectations. The, uh, <laughs> they talk about a certain surgery uh, that. It's it's pretty graphic. But gotcha. It's pretty it's pretty entertaining. Will you be so. uh, one of my favorite things from this season? Will you be uh, middling at your family Christmas? Uh, no, I don't think so. You won't. I'm not a middler. You're not, you're not a middler. No. Someone else will be middling. Yeah, I don't think so. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, talking about Eagles and Washington on Tuesday night. Um, how do you think the Eagles come out and respond after all this? I mean, they've been sitting for a while. Jalen Hurts hasn't played since that Giants game. I mean, that was basically a month ago at this point, and it wasn't a very a very good performance. It was a terrible performance from him. So he's in a really big spot on Sunday on Tuesday night against uh, a Washington team that, hey, the Eagles should be able to, to beat, should be able to move the ball against, but that was also the same uh, – the same situation against the Giants. They weren't able to do it. And I think it's a really big spot for Jalen Hurts. And regardless of who's on the field for Washington, it's a game the Eagles need to win, a game the Eagles should win. So uh, your thoughts on that, predictions, and uh, how do you think the Eagles will respond? Uh, I want your take on it. 215-592-9494. When we get back, I did want to talk about the Sixers a little bit and their win over Boston on Tuesday night and the performance of Joel Embiid. So we'll do that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Monday night into a Tuesday morning. Uh, Eagles game day on a Tuesday. And that brings back terrible memories for many of us. That's something we'll get into a little later this hour and relive one of the worst nights as an Eagles fan that I can remember. Uh, back in 2010, um, when the Eagles took on the Vikings. And I'll throw this out there as well. Uh, you know, a, a, a name that just immediately brings back one singular memory. Because all you have to do is say the name Joe Webb. And everybody thinks of the exact same thing. It's that Tuesday night against the Vikings, and uh, we'll talk about that in more detail a little bit later on, but uh, what a terrible night that was. Derailed one of the most fun Eagle seasons of my lifetime. So if you want to get in on that, you know, a name that just brings back one memory. Like, uh, for example, like if you say Willis Reed, everybody thinks of the same thing. It's, you know, he came back out uh, for that game in the playoffs, whatever it was. I mean, it was before... I was alive, but I know it's one of those memories that uh, brings back that singular memory for many people, the game that he came out and he's injured, whatever happened. I, I Honestly, I, I'm not too well-versed on the Willis-Reed uh, situation, but that's kind of the example I'm looking for with the comparison to Joe Webb because everybody thinks of the same thing. Uh, when you bring up Joe Webb. That Tuesday night, the Eagles played the Vikings, uh, and that season – just really went off the rails starting that night. So uh, we'll get into that a little more. But talking about Eagles and Washington on Tuesday, and how do you think the Eagles are going to come out and play? I mean, I am legitimately worried about the rust factor here. I mean, this is a team that has not played a game in 16 days. That is abnormal in the NFL. I mean, these guys are creatures of habit. And, yeah, coming off a bye many times, 
it can be an advantage, especially when you have a really good coach. Like, Andy Reid is tremendous coming off the bye. Uh, he's a great game planner. We don't know how Nick Sirianni's going to be coming off a of bye week. We haven't seen it yet. And especially with these extra couple days, it's just it's different for players to go this long in between playing games. And it is something you do need to worry about. And if Washington gets one of their uh, two top quarterbacks back, this could be a, a difficult a difficult challenge for the Eagles. And I think it's going to be a difficult game to win. I don't think they will blow Washington out. I would not bet on the Eagles minus a touchdown in this game. I, I honestly don't think this game is really bettable either way um, because of the uncertainty and because of the issues Washington's been dealing with. They haven't been on the practice field as much and because of the layoff on the Eagles side. So uh, what what is your take on this game heading into it? How do you think it's going to play out? And in this hypothetical situation here, if Jalen Hurts is struggling come halftime and the offense looks very similar to the way it did against the Giants and the Eagles find themselves down 10 points or more, do you go to Gardner Minshew in that spot? I would think you would need to. I think you would need to try to do whatever you can do to save this season because if the Eagles lose this game, it's over. And I hate to be uh, that dire about it and to to make it into that kind of make-or-break situation, but you look around the league, you look at the landscape of the NFC, if the Eagles lose this game, they're not going to the playoffs. This is one they need, and they need to do everything they can to win this one on Tuesday night. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. But I, I did want to talk a little bit about the Sixers real quick and their win on two, on Monday night against the Celtics. As the Sixers are able to win this game in Boston, 108-103, it was not a game that you felt like the Sixers were going to win for most of it, where they're up early, but, you know, Boston's at home. They end up kind of taking control late. I think Boston had like a seven-point lead with four or five minutes left, something like that. And then Joel Embiid just completely takes over. Goes for 41 points, 10 rebounds. Um, You know, you get 26 from Curry, 25 from Tobias Harris in this game, who was actually decent tonight in a rare turn, uh, as he's been pretty terrible all season. But other than that, you have nobody in double digits. I mean, Danny Green gives you eight points. Thibel, seven. Sixers down. A number of players in this game. No Maxi. He was out with a quad issue. And then you had Andre Drummond, Furkan Korkmaz, George Niang, all those guys, basically your entire second unit, out due to COVID protocols. And Embiid just puts this team on his back. And I got to say, I'm really tired of the criticism that Joel Embiid gets. Because, you know, last week is a perfect example. Like, Monday night, he doesn't play in Memphis. Oh, he's soft. Load management, you know, he's not out there. He's not playing. He's soft. Then Wednesday night, he plays, but he looks like he's favoring his leg or whatever, or his ribs, which is what he missed the game with Monday night. Oh, well, he's out there, but he's always, you know, got something he's dealing with. He's always holding something. He can't just go out there and play and look like he's completely healthy. What What do you want? Like, do you want him to play? Do you want him to play hurt? Or do you want him to sit? Because the guy could just get cru- gets crushed either way. 
And like, I, I just don't understand how you can look at this game, how you can look at this team in any way and think that Joel Embiid is part of the problem here and not part of the, the solution. Because whatever he does, he gets ripped for it. You don't play, okay, you should, you should be on the court, you should gut it out. You are out there, oh, well, you shouldn't look injured. Um, you know, oh, you, he needs load management, he can't play every night, well, he's making a lot of money, he should be out there every night. It's like, what do you want? The guy's out there doing whatever he can for this team, getting no support, carrying them on his back, and I'm just tired of it. Like, I'm tired of the criticism that Joel Embiid gets constantly when he's all this team has. And if you don't believe that he is, like, the solution to the problem, I just don't know what to tell you. He has nothing around him. It's all him every night. Uh, Yeah, once in a while you'll get a good outing from Tobias Harris. They're few and far between these days. But Joel Embiid is the player that this team relies on, and he's really all that they have to rely on. And, you know, again, to not sound like a broken record on this, but it's why Daryl Morey is playing the Ben Simmons thing out the way that he is. Because when you look at the Ben Simmons situation, it's much more about the big picture. And it's much more about keeping Joel Embiid here long-term and putting a legitimate piece around him to where you have a chance to win a championship. And I know people are, are anxious for the Ben Simmons thing to be over with. I am too. I hate this situation. It's exhausting to talk about. I Quite frankly, I hate talking about it. I hate talking about this hypothetical trade that who knows when it's going to happen. Who knows what the Sixers are going to get back. He's a very difficult guy to understand what his value is around the league. But the reason Daryl Morey is playing this the way he is is because if you sell low on Ben Simmons right now and you get a Karis Levert or whatever it is you can get, that's not putting the Sixers any closer to winning a championship. And if you're not putting yourself any closer to winning a championship, you're going to be in the same situation that most teams are with a star. You're going to be in the same situation in a few years that Washington is going to end up being in eventually with Bradley Beal, whether it's by the trade deadline or the offseason or Portland is with Damian Lillard, where eventually they're going to need to trade those guys. And that's what Daryl Morey's waiting for. Like, eventually Washington's going to trade Bradley Beal. Eventually, regardless of what Portland says, they're going to get to a point where they understand, okay, the only way we can kind of rebuild our organization is to trade this guy. We're not going to win a championship. We don't have the pieces to win title. We're going to have to trade this guy. And Daryl Morey has to wait that situation out. He needs to wait these things around the league to play out before he can actually make that move. And it's so you don't find yourself in this situation two years with Joel Embiid where you don't have enough around him and you don't have anything to trade and you don't have any way to get better because regardless of how much Joel Embiid loves Philadelphia and loves the fans and love the, loves the city, which I truly believe he does, at some point he's going to want to win. And he's going to do what other stars do. 
and he's going to demand a trade, and then you'll have to trade him. And that is the ultimate disaster scenario. And it's just so frustrating that you're essentially needing to throw a season away to make this trade properly. Because that's really what Daryl Morey needs to do. If he can't get a deal done by the deadline, he's probably going to have to wait till the offseason. And let's face it, this team, any semblance of this team as currently configured, whether they add a couple small pieces or not, this team's not truly contending for anything. I think the the upside for the Sixers this year without bringing in a star-level player is maybe they get to the second round, probably not, but potentially they could get to where they were last year. But when you look at this situation and, you know, you hear so much criticism thrown around at people in this organization, whether it's Embiid or whether it's Doc Rivers or Daryl Morey, and... If you want to criticize those guys, fine. But let's not lose sight of the fact that all this is happening because of Ben Simmons. Like, seriously. And I know he kind of, you know, the talk about Simmons particularly has kind of faded to the background a little bit. Because, I mean, you don't see him ever. You don't hear from him ever. He's totally kind of fallen off the face of the earth in terms of, being visible or or being heard from in any way, but he's the reason all this has happened. Like, he's the one who decided, I'm not playing anymore. And let's face it, I mean, the whole mental health stuff, it's all BS. I mean, it's just the latest excuse that he's using not to play. He just doesn't want to be here anymore. And there's no doubt in my mind that if Ben Simmons got traded somewhere, he'd be on the court as soon as possible. Like, I don't doubt that at all. If he got traded somewhere else, he'd be back on the court within a matter of a week or two. And he's the reason why all this is happening. Like, he's the one to blame for all of this. And Doc Rivers was asked about it before the game on Monday. And, I mean, I don't know what Doc Rivers is supposed to say at this point. He said, you know, Ben hasn't played in a game. You see the glaring holes that he leaves us. And... He may play or he may not, not, may not play. If he does, great. If he doesn't, then whoever we can get uh, can help us. And basically, you know, we're waiting on him to play. And if he doesn't play, there's nothing we can do. And it sucks. Like, it's just a really bad situation. And, you know, you can be upset with what Embiid said and what Doc Rivers said after the playoffs last year. But honestly, like, just grow up. At some point, just man up. Uh, play basketball. It's your job. And the way Sims has handled this situation is such a slap in the face to everybody. It's slap in the face to the fans. It's a slap in the face to his teammates. And he might not like all his teammates. And, I mean, you don't need to like all your teammates. You don't need to like all the people that you work with in any workplace. But for him to have played with these guys for years and to just walk away and just say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. And I'm just, I just want to be somewhere else. And until I get traded, I'm just, I'm just gone. It it sucks because the team does miss him as much as his flaws do hurt you in the playoffs. His strengths help you in the regular season. And as much as other people in this organization get criticized 
and Daryl Morey and Doc get criticized for the way they've handled it, Simmons is the main one to blame. And uh, I just think it's important not to lose sight of that and important to, you know, keep in mind that he's the reason why all this is happening. And he's the reason why the Sixers really have no future right now until they find a way to make this deal. And they're probably going to have to throw the season away for the sake of making this trade. And it's really a shame because you're wasting another year of Joel Embiid's prime. And uh, we don't know how long he's going to be able to play at this level for. We don't know how long his body's going to hold up. We know that that the way he's built, it's kind of tenuous, and it's been that way his entire career. And that's why you watch a game like he had in Boston on Monday night, and the emotions are very mixed because, yeah, it's a great performance, and he took over a game late when he's on the floor with other star players like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and he's by far uh, the best player on the floor at the end of that game. And that part of it makes you feel uh, good about, about things. But then you look at it on the other side. And the bottom line is, on the other side of things, you're wasting a year of that. Like, what Joel Embiid's doing right now is for a team that's not a real contender. And unfortunately, there's nothing the Sixers can do right now. There's nothing Darren Morey can do. There's nothing the organization can do uh, except sit around and wait and hope uh, that something materializes that they could trade Ben Simmons for. Because you can't screw up this trade. You just can't. It's the one chip you have left to play of all the assets the Sixers had, all the money, all the draft picks. They spent all of it. And unfortunately, they spent all of it not very wisely. And, I mean, I debated this when I was on with Howard last Tuesday night, and I know Howard won't hear any of it. That's fine. But it's not Sam Hinkie. It was the Colangelos. They came in and, you know, they squandered a lot of these assets with the false trade and then the guys who were in charge after that with trading for Tobias Harris and giving him all that money, giving Al Horford all that money. And unfortunately, you spent all of these things that you had to make this team better. And it's why Maury's in the situation he's in now. Because the one thing of value you have left to trade is Ben Simmons. And you can't just give him away for something that does not significantly help your team. And it's a shame. It's a shame to see Joel Embiid every night out there carrying a team that just nowhere close to good enough. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, if you want to give your thoughts on the Sixers game on Monday night, if you had the same feeling that I had, because I really do watch this team with with mixed emotions. I mean, you look at Embiid, and he's having a great year. I mean, he's doing a lot of the things that he did last year, uh, but when he needs to, like, bring the ball up and run the offense and he's your only option at the end of games and teams are double and triple teaming him and he still needs to shoot in those situations because he's got nobody else, um, it's frustrating. And you just hope the Sixers can figure this situation with Simmons out uh, sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, that's uh, not really under their control. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning, 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, 
in a couple minutes, we'll kind of recap the Monday night games uh, from last night. Uh, you had two games because of the postponement with the Raiders and the Browns and then the the Bears and the Vikings on Monday night. And I'm just seeing on the TV they had uh, they're showing the highlights of that game and there's a Bears fan with a paper bag on his head and that's the that's kind of where it's gotten for the Chicago Bears right now my god they look terrible on Monday night um and what would you think Dan I Matt Nagy doesn't last it through the day right like there's no way there's no way he can he can not get fired today yeah no it I mean it seems like everyone was kind of assuming that he would get fired at the end of this year regardless but he literally might not even make it to that point I mean things just could not have gone any worse in the Matt Nagy era. He's been there, what, how many years at this point? Three? Four. Four it, years now? It, and you know where it all started to take a turn for the worse was the double doink. It's all been downhill since then. He was a rookie coach that year. That's and right, yes. Okay, so that was, yeah, because that was 18 in the 19, the second emergence of Foles, and Parkey double doinks it, and he literally, he hasn't been to the playoffs since. They were good that, like, they were they were 12-4 and four with Mitch Trubisky. They won the division. In 2018, they won the division. They had made that Khalil Mack trade before the year that was a home run. Everyone's for, yeah. Yeah, and and, I mean, he was great, and then they get to the playoffs, and the Eagles beat them, and it was pretty much all downhill from there. They've struggled to win, like, 12 games since. Yeah, they've struggled to win eight games. No, no, I mean, like, combined. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, literally. Like, that one season, and it has just gotten progressively worse and worse and worse, and Matt Nagy... Again, like you said, probably will not see the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll recap those games in a few minutes, including uh, some pretty funny sound that was picked up by the ESPN broadcast. And by the way, like, that Monday Night Crew is so bad. Like, it, it, I feel like that's got to be the worst primetime broadcast crew I've ever heard. Like, for a Sunday, like, for a national spotlight. You're not counting, like, Dick Stockton's the world. No, no, I'm counting, like, like in the clout of, like, the, or the class of, like, the Sunday night crew. Buck Nance. The, the, Buck Nance. The, the, the big crews. This crew is so bad. And and uh, I, I and Mike mocks me about this sometimes, but I cannot stand Brian Greasy. I don't know what it is about him. I don't think this guy adds anything to the broadcast. And, like, part of the reason why I like the Manning so much is just because I hate watching that broadcast. It's because they're not the regular broadcast. Yeah, like, Steve Levy's fine. I'm I, saying, I like Steve Levy. I'm not a huge—I'm not crazy about anyone else on the broadcast. The one thing, and I don't know what it is, when I see Buck on my screen, or I see Nance on my screen, or I see Al Michaels on the screen, it feels like a big game. It feels like a game with heightened importance. I never feel like that about a Monday night game. Even yeah, and even Levy, like he just gives gives off strong like Kenny Albert vibes. You know, it's like not like a B team crew. Yeah, like I, and I don't hate Kenny Albert, but no, I mean Kenny Albert's fine. When, like Kenny Albert, and I wonder if he will be calling this game. He should be calling like an Eagles Washington game when they're both six and seven. Like that sounds like a Kenny Albert spot. It does sound like a Kenny Albert spot. Well, he does hockey and stuff like that, too. Let me double-check, see who the broadcast team is. Yeah, because they're not getting Buck and and Aikman for this game. But, uh, you know, Levy, he's fine. He's just, I think, a little uh, overexposed on Monday night. Riddick, I don't know. Riddick's kind of generic, but he's he's fine. But Greasy just adds absolutely nothing. So tonight uh, it will be Fox. It will be Kevin Kugler, 
Mark Sanchez and Laura oh. Ackman or Open. I forget how you say her okay. name. Okay. Yeah. I actually like Sanchez. I'm I do too. I, th- I think he's fan. good. I think he's good in the booth. Uh, and and David, uh, I see you there. I'll get to you in a second. Um, but man, I missed an opportunity to hang out with Mark Sanchez uh, one time. Uh, you what? I yeah. Me me and me and a few of my friends uh, had like gone socially? over. Yeah, we'd gone over to a a, a Dave Matthews concert um, at the Camden River. What's that arena called? BB and T. BB and T. Used to be called something else. Yeah. Yeah, and we were out on the lawn over there, and. Uh, my phone died, and I made the mistake of going to the bathroom alone, and my phone was on very low battery, and it died. And so then you couldn't find anyone. Uh, you you're out there, it's like you're in, the, in the dark. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you're not finding anybody. No, you know that's that's not good. You're right. Yeah, and so you had to sh- borrow someone's phone. I'm assuming or something. No, no, I just I I I looked around for a while, and then I just decided whatever. I'm just gonna go home. So I caught an Uber, I went home, but my friends ended up telling me, I, I speak to them the next day, and they're telling me about this crazy night that they had, <laughs> where they end up splitting an Uber back to the city with Mark Sanchez, Jason Kelsey, and Connor Barwin. And, I mean, I, I, we, we all could have been hanging out, and he said, he's like, oh, Sanchez was the man. We were in the back of this Uber, and we were jamming out to Counting Crows, and, uh, you know... Sanchez was like the coolest guy ever, so that would have been what fun. Are Eagles I missed players out on doing that. splitting Ubers with strangers anyway. I don't know. I mean, apparently Sanchez is one of those guys that just like doesn't he, doesn't matter to him, doesn't care. Speaking of giving off like these kind of vibes, if you will, like Sanchez, like like as much as a lot of people don't like Brady, like Brady's teammates love him. Like talking to Dan Klecko, like Dan Klecko, he wins loves the rings. Tom How could you dislike the guy? But apparently, he's just like a. a He's a good cool guy, guy on top of that. Yeah. Like, he actually is for people who know him. And apparently, like, the Eagles players, like, loved playing with Sanchez. Howard speaks very highly of him. I forget, because a few weeks ago I was producing for him, and it was the anniversary of the Thanksgiving game in Dallas. And he said Mark Sanchez was, like, one of the all-time cool guys to cover, talk to, was always super honest with him, I guess, from his perspective of being in the locker room during his time with the Eagles, that he just is genuine and how he comes off on TV is how he is in person. And I know this is probably a a minority opinion here, but I didn't think Sanchez was nearly as bad as he was made out to be when he was here. Oh, here or in his career when 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 he was here. Like, he really didn't play that badly. Like, in 2014, he comes in for Foles, and he was pretty good for most of the season. The last couple games— They didn't win a game after the Thanksgiving game. Right. The last couple games— uh, they struggled down the stretch, and then I think he played a couple games in 2015 after when Bradford was hurt in the middle of the year, and that team was just a disaster. But yeah, I thought I thought Sanchez was okay in his time here. That he Thanksgiving fun. game was fun. It was, and you know, and I was going to say just in terms of his career, he was always a better quarterback than probably people remember him for that butt fumble thing. is just like one of the all time meme plays that unfortunately probably negatively affected perception around him unfairly. And that was what two on Thanksgiving two years before that. Mm-hmm. Now he did come back with the Eagles, but people like that guy led the J- the last time the Jets were in the AFC or literally in the playoffs. He led them to back to back AFC Championship games. Yeah, and that's they literally have not been to the playoffs since, and they have the longest playoff drought in the league. Yeah, and, and so you know, not not to overinflate Mark Sanchez here, but but the guy's done a few things in his career. Right, not not terrible, and we'll see how he is as a broadcaster on uh, Tuesday night. 
Uh, 215-592-9494. Let's go to David in Lansdowne. What's up, David? Hey, how y'all doing there? How's it going? Hey, listen, you know, I got to, like, reprogram myself watching and be and try to give them a fair chance because I just don't like them. And I'm why, sitting why back saying, why? Don't why? You, why don't you like him? Because he makes me sick, man. Like, I look at his stats like tonight. I think he'll miss like two free throws, 13 out of 15, which is great. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying he's the man because the Sixers can't do nothing without him, but he just turns me off. And here's the reason why. When you point at Ben Simmons, who stunk last year in the playoffs, and we all agree Ben Simmons stunk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you don't have to be the one to point it out when you had – problems in the game yourself when you miss a wide open dunk in the last two minutes of a game when you miss two free throws in the last minute of the game when you almost an 80 percent free throw shooter but you miss right in a crucial game you know what i'm saying and not that he was a big part of the loss but he was a part of it along with the coach and then you point at one player yeah well ben, ben simmons, ben simmons refused to do his job in the fourth quarter of those games he took three shots in all the fourth quarters combined he quit on his team in that series but that's not why we lost yes it we is why they lost we lost because ben simmons can't make free throws yeah but that's but, why we lost but david but david the reason him not being able to make free throws affected the way that he played the game. Exactly. But, but, and, and, but, but how do you come to the conclusion that it's not his fault? But let me ask you something. Didn't Doc Rivers sit the whole team down and put the bench players in, and they lost the twenty-point lead in Game I'm Five? Not yeah, they, I mean, didn't mess up. They were I'm up saying 20, that it's a yeah. team effort, just so you don't point at one person. Because they should have pulled him in there and made him stand in the gym for ten hours making free throws. But I and see. Well, Embiid, okay, David, stop for one second. Th- okay. Put yourself in Embiid's shoes for one second in that moment. You're coming off this terrible playoff loss, and yeah, you're frustrated in that moment. But think of it from Embiid's perspective that he's been with this guy Simmons for five years. And this guy, while Joel Embiid has done all these things to help Simmons and to make it easier for him, because Joel Embiid shooting from the outside more, that was to make things easier on Ben Simmons. That was the that was no, that was to clear out more room for Ben Simmons. So as Joel Embiid does all these things to help Simmons, Simmons won't do the simple things to help him. How do you think he must feel in that moment when Simmons again lets him down, again fails him? I understand why he'd want to throw guess, the guy I under just the bus can't too. See it like that. Let me ask you a question, fast. If Ben, if Embiid didn't take. 30 shots, and he only took 15. Do you think he could score the same amount of points? I think he could easy if he went down low and dominated down low. Because well, can't nobody stop Embiid. I really believe that with a better coach, Embiid would be scoring 50, 60 a game. Well, David, when you're playing 40 minutes a night like Embiid is, and you're, you know, as reliant, and the team is relying on him as much as they are, to be down in the post every single possession, it's kind of taxing on you physically. Like yeah, at some points you can't be do that. Because every I time. watched players of the past that did it, that dominated down low, and it do take a toll on your body. And when he has the kind of body and B has, where he likes to fake the falls, I never seen a big man, big and strong as him, get knocked down as much. And again, and B is the man. But let me ask you the last question: sure. Do the Sixers play better 
without him, but they're not a better team without him. When he was out for 10 games, I called y'all station talking about this was like watching Golden State, the way they passing the ball. Everybody's scoring. Almost the whole team scored 20 points one game. Everybody is scoring. So, when so you think they're better back, without him? Oh, no, they're not. I said they pass the ball and play better. They're not a better team without him. I know that's kind of tricky words, but without him, they would be nothing. I just wish he could change his game a little bit with the team they got because I think they could do better. No, I got you, David, and I appreciate the call. I, I just I don't agree at all. Like I, I I don't agree at all. And this is I just don't understand the criticism that he constantly gets when he's all they have. He's all they have. They have nothing else. Seth Curry is a good offensive player who's played above his head since he's come to Philadelphia. Other than that, Joel Embiid support is an overpaid Tobias Harris. And Maxi. Yeah. Who I mean, Maxi in his second year, who might develop into a really good player. He's not a guy you can rely on yet. And it's always, well, Embiid needs to do this. Embiid needs to do that. He's doing everything that he can. Like, he's physically doing everything that he possibly can. But, oh, he sits out Monday night. Oh, this guy's a wuss. He's not out on the floor. How dare he sit out a game? Oh, he plays Wednesday. Well, he's favoring his his ribs. Why can't he be out there? Why can't he look like he's healthy and he's not hurt? Because he is hurt. (laughs) But do you want him to play or do you want him to sit? And he goes out and plays, and he scores 41 points. But, oh, he does it from the end. Why isn't he down on the block every possession? Because it's physically taxing. And the team needs to go to him at the end of every game, on every possession, because they have nobody else. And that is not his fault. Like, that's an organizational failure. And that goes on everybody that's been a part of that front office and a part of that decision-making. But, like, I just... It drives me insane. And when you talk about what he said at the end of that Atlanta series, I understand it. Like, if you had been in his shoes, and you're with Simmons for five years, and you adjust your game in all of these ways to help Ben Simmons, because when people yell about him beat shooting threes and shooting from the outside, you know why he started doing that? To clear out the middle for Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons could drive to the basket. So he'd have room to operate. How has Simmons ever adjusted his game for Joel Embiid? Never. He wouldn't even take a sh- take a three when the coach demanded it of him. He wouldn't take jumpers. He wouldn't work on his free throws. He wouldn't adjust his game at all. And if you get if you've been dealing with this crap for five years, and you get to the end of that series last year, and I know Joel Embiid didn't have a great series either. But you get to the end of that series, and you're seeing this guy let you down again? And this guy cowered away in the fourth quarter again and wouldn't even take a free dunk? I understand why you'd want to throw him under the bus. And he tried to apologize to the guy. He wanted to fly out to California to apologize to him. But Ben wouldn't see anybody. And it's just like, I I don't know how you can come to this conclusion that Joel Embiid is part of the problem. Like, the guy is the only thing this organization has. Every night, he carries them on his back. And I just don't know what more you want from him. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494.
888-957-9494. If you want to get on the Sixers, you're welcome to. But, yeah, I mean, I watch that game Monday night, and it's bittersweet. On one hand, yeah, Embiid's doing his thing, and he's phenomenal, and he he pretty much carries the Sixers single-handedly to a victory. Yet, I mean, you look at the other side of it, that is the only thing that we have to watch for this team. That's the only fun we get from this team uh, because they got nothing else. And and all of this great, uh, all these great games that Joel Embiid has is just to keep this team mediocre because of the mistakes that they have made. And until they are able to get this Simmons deal done, uh, you know, I, I don't really see it getting a lot better. 215-592-9494. Adrian, Darren, we'll get both you guys when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Get back to the phones in one second here. But I did want to address something real quick because I saw this announced on Monday that the NHL is shutting down uh, operations for – I guess the next few days or I guess a week until Christmas. Do you know how long this has taken place for Dan? Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah. So I threw, I was talking to Al about this actually yesterday in a break. It's like through Christmas at first, the restriction was that it was just going to be cutting off Canada in the U S and now it seems like they're going to take it through Christmas. Um, But no, I don't know the exact parameters of this suspended season, so to speak. Okay. Well, it just, I, I think it's a terrible decision. Like, and, you know, I don't think the answer is always shutting things down. Like, I and I'm all for safety, and I don't think COVID is, you know, harmless. It's absolutely a serious situation. I think, you know, vaccinations are important, as you know, as I've stated many times. But that sport has lagged behind the others for years. And, like, football and basketball are finding a way to keep going. Like, this cannot be the answer every time. And I think it's part of the reason why it's waned in popularity as much as it has is they never have any foresight when it comes to hockey. And, like, you know this is getting worse. You know these other leagues are dealing with it. But, you know, and you can rip them or or not, but at least the other leagues are apt are actually dealing with it. Like the NHL is not coming to any sort of a solution here. Um, and if you need to consistently be shutting down your operations, it's just not, it's not a recipe for a successful business. And I look at it and I think the NHL fails again. Uh, and it's, it's part of why people nationally just don't care as much about this sport. So just really quick, uh, the pause is effective Wednesday through Sunday. So the NHL actually, it's built into its collective bargaining agreement. That for years, they haven't been playing games on the 24th Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the 25th, and they also give players off the 26th, the day after. Um, and then also, so basically they have two nights of games canceled as a result of this. The 22nd and 23rd. The Flyers Capitals game tonight will still be going on across the street from the link. So oh, it's oh, they're still playing tonight. That's they're weird. still playing tonight. It's mm. effective Wednesday, so they're only canceling the games Wednesday and Thursday. So it's really only two days. Okay. Like if you just see the headline, it says they're on pause all week. But three of those days didn't have games scheduled to begin with. And the only thing, the only counterpoint I would offer 
to hockey is that they have seven Canadian teams, and Canada is struggling with COVID right now far worse. I mean, the Flyers, they're going backwards. The Flyers played a game in Montreal last week with no fans in the stands. It was like early 2020. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That, and that is a challenge that they have to deal with. Like far they, more international teams. They can't just move the Raptors to Tampa right. or move the Blue Jays to Buffalo. Like they have a lot more to deal with here. Right. No, that's a good point. And that's something that – and I guess they have the Olympic break that they can utilize the squeezing games. I just – yeah, I just don't think like the answer is always like – shutting down I think we need to find a way to work our way through it and the NFL you can question the way they're doing it you can question the way the NBA's doing it too but at least they're finding a way to work through it and I think the NHL needs to needs to start finding similar solutions because okay this one circumstance is kind of understand understandable but moving forward consistently stopping and starting is not is not sustainable and by the way the NHL by far the most vaccinated league of the four yeah so like they only have a handful of guys who won't get it. So right. it, it does seem like, again, I don't know what fully went into this decision. I know there's a lot being made of the U.S. and Canada travel. It's probably playing more into I, this than maybe in other leagues. I'd imagine they follow what the NFL and the NBA do, and I think it's probably leading toward that where vaccinated guys who are asymptomatic just probably won't get tested anymore. But well, we'll that see. may be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get on the Eagles and Washington, if you want to get on the Sixers, because, you know, our our, our last caller, uh, David, I just I just don't agree. Like, I, Joel Embiid goes for 41 points. I mean, you beat the Celtics really on his back alone. And, I mean, the guy gets gets ripped constantly. I just don't understand it. Like, he's all they got. He's the only reason they're not – a god-awful team, and yeah, it, it's bittersweet when you watch him do what he's doing, but you look at it and you think, okay, well, they're wasting another year of his prime, another year of Embiid's career that they're not surrounding him properly, and I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong from a front office perspective right now. This is more based off the sins of the past than the sins of the present. There's not anything Daryl Morey can do right now. Trading Ben Simmons right now for the deals that are out there would not be smart moves. Like, you need to wait this out. You need to, uh, you know, wait until you get a deal that's worth it and you get a player that you feel like can put you closer to being a championship team. And uh, the criticism of Embiid, I find to be utterly ridiculous. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Adrian. What's up, Adrian? You know, when you have, like, great coaches, you know, they always would take the blame for their team, like, Andy Reid would always say, you know, I got to put him in a better – I got to do a better job. Uh, Belichick will always take the blame for his team and his team played bad. Uh, I just don't think Doc is a great coach for this team. Uh, you know, I, I think he had an opportunity to put – and he probably should have took most of the blame of us losing that Atlanta series last year. Last year. He should have took the – he should have took all of the blame. He should have never put the blame on none of his players. And I mean, once you throw them under the under the bus, now you see what you got. Last year, this time we was the best team in the NBA, the number one team in the NBA. Do you think if they don't throw him under the bus and we just replay it? Because you got to understand, Doc's only been here a year. You thought he was just gonna come right in and win the championship or get to the finals? Well, that Adrian, ain't how it works. Well, let's well, well, let's examine what Doc actually said. Okay, like Doc didn't say Ben's the reason we lost. He was asked whether Ben could be the point guard of a team that can win a championship. He said, "I don't know." Like, I don't think that, that is throwing a guy under the bus. 
Yeah, I mean, you come here, you come here as a coach to win championships, and you got a you 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 got an all star player. Um, second, um, they're in the second round of the playoffs. All right, they lose. Why couldn't he just say yes? Oh, okay, that Adrian. Changed everything, Adrian. Even you even be at this situation there. I think, I think Brown is, is a way better coach than Doc because Doc. I mean, come on, like. You already see he can't coach. You do know he can't coach because because Matt Miller coached him under the uh, coached him under under the table in, the, in that series. Like ain't nobody talking about how bad he coached that series. No, but he, had a, he, he, he was the, Doc Rivers was not good in that series. There's no doubt about that. But Adrian, like when you when you look at the at the Simmons situation, I mean, we're really putting all this on Doc Rivers. Like we're not putting any of this on on Ben Simmons for not manning up and coming back and playing. I mean, see, the guy got criticized a little bit. I mean, this man up and come back and play. Don't run away and cry and say you're not coming back because you're upset with Embiid and you're imbe- uh, upset with Doc. Come on. It's well, I, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, you know, they prima donnas. I mean, these NBA players are prima donnas. I mean, they gave the players all, all the power when, 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 you know, they let certain guys just go from one team to the next team to this team. I mean, once LeBron set the president back, in, back when he left Cleveland, I mean, this is, this is what you get. So I, I just think that. As a coach and, and as a team, I'm a coach. I'm a basketball coach at, at, at a high school basketball team. I would never throw none of my players under the bus. I would keep everything in-house. And what you try to do is you just try to continue on getting the best out of what you can get out of your players. Wait, you Adrian, how, them- how many times did he bend over backwards to to defend the guy? And we were just this forgetting about saying. all that? This, this is what I'm saying. But when you get to that point, when you get to – you the best team in the NBA, and you get to the second round of playoffs when you're first year at a, at a team. You're supposed to continue on kissing butt until you win it. Like you don't. Uh, Doc Rivers is bad on all levels. I, I, I think the Doc Rivers Maury thing. It, it just, look at us, man. Look at we back at look, look, look at the organization. We're in a disarray. We don't even know. We don't even have an identity. Yeah, but, yeah because Ben Simmons because Ben no Simmons identity. is choosing not to play, Adrian. And this is the problem. And I appreciate the call. This is again what I'm. I, I, we can't lose sight of here. Like, honestly, I'm so tired of it with the, you know, it's, a, it's Doc, it's Maury, it's Embiid. No, it's Simmons, okay? The reason the Sixers are in this crappy situation is because of Simmons and nobody else. It's not because of those guys. Okay, I'm sorry, Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers said some things that hurt Ben's feelings at the end of last year. Boo friggin' who? I mean, seriously. At some point, you got to man up and you got to play. And Doc Rivers, I watched that game tonight. He screams at Tobias Harris in the middle of the game, calls him over to the bench, berates him after a play. Tobias Harris doesn't walk off the floor and go back to the locker room and sulk. He goes back out there and plays, like seriously. And if you think what Doc Rivers said was wrong, fine. But at some point, when are we moving past this? Like seriously. It's just ridiculous the excuses that are made and the way the conversation has changed around this situation, and it bothers me, to make it out like other people are at fault and Ben Simmons is not the only one at fault. For If you want to make the argument that he wasn't the only one at fault for them losing that series last year, fine. That's legitimate. And Bede had a terrible game four. Tobias Harris had a, a terrible game five and game seven. Doc Rivers had coached a really bad series. But when you look at this season 
and the reason why this team is in this position this season, it's because of Ben Simmons, and it's not because of anybody else. It has nothing to do with Doc Rivers or Joel Embiid or Daryl Morey. It's because Ben Simmons just decided he didn't want to play. Like, that's the reason they're in this situation right now. And, you know, you can criticize them for the series last year, but as far as the situation the Sixers are in right now, it's Simmons, it's Simmons alone, and I'm tired of this blame being deflected uh, in other places. 215-592-9494. Darren Jack will get you guys when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday morning. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. I still can't stop thinking about Buck Showalter. I still, Dan, I still don't, I still don't believe it. I still don't believe that he's only 65 years old. You think this is all a hoax? I just, I, I, I can't, I'm, I'm looking at pictures of him in that episode from Seinfeld, and if you're just joining us, this this goes back to earlier on in the show. I learned over the weekend that new Mets manager Buck Showalter is only 65 years old, and I, I I just I can't I don't understand how it's possible. He looks 65 years old 27 years ago, and somehow he's so he was during that episode he was only 38, 37 is how. Is that – how is that possible? I mean, I'm looking at the photo of him here. I think he just has a very mature look about him, I'll say. Like, he's got the older-looking – like, most baseball managers, unless you're Gabe Kapler, I think look on the older side so, well, let's, as a general rule. Well, let's think about this. I mean, how old's Gabe? He, he's got to be in his early 40s, He's right? in his 40s, I think. So when Showalter appeared on Seinfeld, he's, he's younger, younger than, than Gabe. Gabe is now? Yeah. There's no way. There's just no way. <laughs> well, most managers aren't as. Gabe looks like he could still be playing. How old's Girardi? Is Girardi like. Late 50s, I think. So Girardi's close to Buck Showalter? In yeah, age? I mean, they've both been around baseball forever. I just, uh, I don't know. I can't get over this. This is total, uh, total uh, mind bleep. Joe Girardi's 57. Okay. Well, yeah. I, so I he's mean, eight years younger than Buck Showalter. I was actually lying. I was not looking at the picture earlier. I, I said I was. I was not. I am looking at the picture of Buck now. From Seinfeld? From Seinfeld. He looks 50 in that picture to me. He doesn't look like he's in his 30s. Thir- so that does not look like a man in his 30s. His late 30s. But I'm, but don't you think, uh, generally speaking, the guy dressed like a baseball manager with the jacket and everything, you know, he's got white colored hair there i think it makes you look older it makes you look older yeah so i think that added some years to him he just more looked more mature more wiser and older and then you kind of just coast on that same age for a while and i will say your 30s do age you quite a bit i mean i'm 34 right now and when you look at photos from your young 20s do you say like that feels like ages oh yeah i look i saw a photo the other day from three years ago and my beard was completely, uh, you yeah, know. You got some gray coming gray, in. I, I have too much. I have a lot of gray. A lot of gray in the beard. No what, gray in, uh, up top. Does that come from working these hours, marriage, your kid? You, what, combination. What, combination of, of all of it? Yeah, probably the hours, probably most of all. Uh, having the kid d- does not help in that regard. Um, but, 
Yeah, I, I, your 30s do age you quite a bit, so I guess in... So it's your maturing years, and Buck Showalter was at the latter stages of the 30s there. I'm just hopeful I age better than Buck Showalter, okay? Y- you don't want to like, look like you're 50 dressing like a baseball manager in your 30s? Yes. I mean, Al tells me I look old for my age, um, but uh, hopefully I you're look... You're what, 34? I'm 34. I think you look about that. I wouldn't okay. guess you. I wouldn't pin you too much older or younger than that. Okay. And I, I, I get, you, well, you've looked very young. How I I you probably you, know you look about like it. you're 23. I'm 24. 24. Yeah. Okay. That's so about right. So I'll I'll get there soon enough. All right. Well, you, you know, just like just like you you, you, you I'm close from older people. Don't enjoy your 20s, Dan. Make sure I'm enjoying not, it. Make sure you're not uh you know get getting too old too quickly. I'm I'm certainly not. Or else you look like Buck Showalter uh, <laughs> sooner rather. Buck Showalter is going to be the new benchmark of like looking old too soon. Yes, yes, but uh, yeah, it was just stunning news to me earlier. I still can't get over it. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in, uh, if you want to get on the Eagles, you're welcome. We haven't had uh, many people want to talk about the Eagles tonight, and I think it's somewhat understandable. Like we don't know who's going to play for Washington right now. We don't know who their quarterback. They could have four different guys at quarterback as of right now. It could be Garrett Gilbert, um, uh, Kyle Shermer, uh, Kyle Allen, and Taylor Heineke. All of those four are possibilities for Washington on Tuesday night. We do know, we believe at least, that it will be Jalen Hurts for the Eagles, barring some sort of a change. Um, The Eagles will be without Landon Dickerson, uh, but – you know, it's a game the Eagles need to win. Uh, Brandon Lee Gowton tweeted this out uh, on Tuesday night where, or Monday night uh, that if the Eagles win this game, their chances to reach the playoffs 38%. They lose this game, they plummet to six. So basically, if the Eagles lose this game, they're not going to the playoffs. By the way, that's down like 15% from the start of the weekend. Okay, yeah. So I mean, like it was literally, if they were entering the weekend, a win would have put them like 53% chance to make the playoffs. So they have gotten... Like next to no, no help. No, everything has gone wrong. Everything that could go against them like this weekend, fifteen percent worth, like playoff right. percentage points. And not only with the teams around them, but like with Arizona and Tampa Bay losing, that makes that Dallas game look completely different. Like it was that Dallas before, game look, is looking like it's going to matter, and they're going to be playing for a number one seed, which matters even more now because it's the only spot that gets a bye. Right. It was looking before like Dallas would be locked into the four seed. That does not appear to be the case anymore. Uh, so uh, imperative, the Eagles win this game tonight. I think they win it. I'm taking the Eagles 25-22, uh, but I do think it will be close. So if you want to get on that, you're welcome to. And if you want to get on the Sixers, we've been talking about that. As Sixers get a big win over Boston, but as I watch it, it's it's mixed emotions. I love watching Joel Embiid dominate, and hey, in a game where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are on the floor, Joel Embiid at the end of that game was clearly the best player out there. Yet at the same time. I feel like they're wasting a season of his prime. You have nobody else um, to help. You got Tobias Harris had a nice game on Tuesday, but you know you can't rely on Tobias Harris. Um, And until you make this Ben Simmons trade, you're just kind of treading water, uh, and that's not what you should be doing with a player like Embiid in his prime, but – I don't think the Sixers have a choice. You don't have a trade to make right now, and selling low on Simmons would be the worst-case scenario. So you're welcome to get on that as well. Let's go to Darren in South Philly. What's up, Darren? What's up, TK? How you doing, buddy? How you doing, man? Let me say this. I was agreeing with you, bobbing your head, and then Dave came on the air, 
and he sounds like the type of person that would blame AI for dropping 60 and we didn't win a chip because, you know, he missed a free throw here and there. And I just can't get it. Like, I agree with you. Like, it makes no sense to blame this season on Joel. It's all Ben. Yeah, and, 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 other- it's, and, and Darren, it's like you watch the end of that game. He's on both ends of the floor. I mean, you're talking about – blocks defensively he's coming down and, and I was saying the same thing when he took that one shot I'm like that's a terrible shot but it's like what other options do they have uh, and he's he's making these incredible exactly. plays what and it's like they have because the Colangelo's drafted Markel Fultz that dumb trade they, 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 you don't have that Ben doesn't want to be here and like I said I agree Ben is I mean Joel is a better player in the paint but you make the great point that I've made a couple times to the Sixers fans in the arena that don't seem to understand if Joel is in the paint, where's Ben going to go? Right. You're going to be playing four on four. And if you don't comprehend that, then you really don't understand basketball. And why are you arguing? Right. And that's like, the at the end of the day, Joel has been a, a more a selfless player. And Ben's been nothing but selfish. Agreed. So and, and why people, are you giving, why are you making it harder holding the selfless player who's all about the team to a higher level of the dude that should be, you know what I'm saying? about the team who's just all about him. And he's proved that at every junction. And that's why I was saying from the rip, even though Ben Simmons was ideally at the time the best draft player, the draft, best draft prospect, I didn't want him. Because if you can't get a team like Tennessee that's in the SEC and you're the best player in college to the, to the dance, I don't want you. It's the same reason I don't want Mark Huffles. You don't draft a player – from Washington, that can't get like if you're supposed to be this number one pick, you should be able to carry your team to in college, especially because there aren't um, unless you're in like with Duke or North Carolina, you know what I'm saying. You have an easier uh, easy because the conference winners are guaranteed to go to the champion, go to the dance. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand all these people that want to blame Joel and expect him to do this. I mean, I agree. Joel earlier on was out of shape every time he was hurt. Joel hurt now because he's playing 45 minutes. Right. He shouldn't have to. Right. He should be playing like anywhere from 25 to 30, and we should be dominating if we had Ben here or an adequate star to carry the load, and we don't. And as far as, like, you want to point blame in that series, sure. I don't have a problem with what Doc said. He was asked the question. He answered. It's not like he said, oh, Ben Simmons sucks. No. They asked, do you think a person that most people identify as a power forward could be a could be a point guard on a championship team. And he's like, I don't know, because at the end of the day, the Sixers made the mistake of emphasizing that he was their point guard. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and Darren, and Darren, and the idea that uh, that's the only thing Doc Rivers said and all the other stuff that we ripped him for for weeks for defending Ben time and time again, that all gets forgotten about. It's just like ridiculous. You can't have it both ways. You can't, right. I agree with you. Either you rip him because he's not harder on Ben, or you rip him because he, because you claim he answered a question and he hurt his feelings. You can't have it both ways. These play, I mean, Ben Simmons especially irritates me because I suffer from mental health. I'm bipolar. You want to use that as an excuse, and you're just you're not you don't have mental health. You're just soft. You're a coward. I'll say it just like that. You're you you choked in the biggest way possible, and you don't want to face the music. And all you've ever had to do is shoot. Even a player like Markel Fultz said, "We aren't that bad." We cheer and encourage. We just hold you to a standard. We want you to play hard and work hard. That's it. Right. You do that, we'll love you. That's why Iversons loved you. Forget that. Barkley still loved you for that same reason. They, he grinded hard. 
That's all we need you to do. No, no doubt there. And I appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. And yeah, I mean, and you look at Iverson. Iverson's a great example. Like Allen Iverson was not a perfect player. Like there were a lot of things that Allen Iverson didn't improve on. Like he could have been in better shape. He could have committed more to the defensive end of the floor. But you know, he he. He was out there every night. Like, he didn't quit. Like, and he, you could rely on him to be out there every night giving what he could and, and on the offensive end and carrying that team. And this is the thing that's so frustrating with Simmons is that it's not that he it's not that he stinks. Like, that's part of what I think is being proven this year. He is a good player. Like, and this team very clearly misses him. I mean, you don't just go from the one seed in the East, which the Sixers were pretty comfortably throughout the entire regular season last year, and become a 500 team by losing a guy who's not any good. Like, the reason you've dropped off this significantly is because they legitimately do miss him in a lot of ways. And I think, and what the last caller brought up uh, was, was accurate in terms of Fultz, like Fultz, I legitimately feel for Markel Fultz. Like Markel Fultz very clearly actually had something going on mentally that, you know, broke his shot. But at least the guy still went out there and tried to shoot. Uh, and at least he still, you know, gave that kind of, gave that kind of effort. And you he did. He did an interview a couple weeks ago, and he said, yeah, the Philadelphia fans supported me a lot, and they did. And that's another thing about Simmons that's so frustrating. He got so much support. I mean, even in that series, he's getting standing ovations as he's going to the free throw line. And, you know, that's that's not what this is. That's not what this is about. Like, it, it's about the fact that he's upset with Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid. Like, l- let's face it. And they've tried to apologize. They've tried to work it out. He has no desire in doing it. And, you know, you can point the finger at Doc shouldn't have said this or Joel Embiid shouldn't have said that. But the reason we're in this situation is because Ben Simmons couldn't handle a little bit of criticism. I mean, and when it comes down to it, it's really all that simple. Ben Simmons couldn't handle a little bit of criticism, so he quit on his team. And that's why the Sixers are in this situation. Let's go to Jack and Ridley. What's up, Jack? Hey, I want to talk a little bit about the situation with the Sixers. Um, I, ben Simmons, to me, gets too much radio play. Um, you know, you remember what they used to say in the 20s when the gangsters wanted to get rid of somebody? They just said he was dead to me. He's dead to me. He, he can't play. He's never going to come back and play. He'll never play another game for the for the Seventy Sixers. Now, does it leave a hole in our in in our game? Yeah, it does. But you know, if he's not going to play, what are we going to do? He's he's immature. Um, go down to LSU and ask them how they feel about him. Go into the coaches at LSU and ask them what their opinion is of Ben Simmons. And they'll tell you, he quit on him. He's quit on LSU. I don't know about his high school career. He, he Jack, came to I, a co- I, 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 
I get the desire to, like, move on from it, but, like, when you watch this team this year, you can't just ignore it, you know, because it does hover over this entire season, the fact that he's not out there. But he's never coming back. I agree he's not coming back, but that's frustrating. Yeah, if there was a chance, let me say this. I was a defender of him many, many times in different situations. Yeah. But when he when he passed that layup uh, up and tried to pass the ball, and he in, in a crucial time of the game, it, it's just soured me. It, it, it's coward. He's, he was a coward, and you just you don't have any respect for cowards, and you can't really have them in not only in your foxhole. But you can't have them on the basketball court because you never know when that streak of yellow is going to come up. I got you, Jack, and I I appreciate it, man. But, like, and this, honestly, I didn't intend to get into a whole Ben Simmons thing here. But, you know, the way this started is is I, I think the blame needs to be directed where it should be directed. And it, it with where this team is at, you know, you hear all this criticism from Daryl Morey to Doc Rivers to Joel Embiid when, I mean, the reason this team's in this situation is Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons alone. Like, Daryl Morey can't make a deal right now. I know people want just, oh, well, just be done with it. Just get rid of them. Get whatever you can. Can't do that. Like, that that would be a terrible business decision. If you just said, we're going to take whatever we can get right now, that would be the worst possible thing you could do. You need to wait. You need to wait until better players come on the market. Hopefully, that'll be at the trade deadline. If it's not, you're going to have to wait until the offseason. Uh, and in a way, that would make you throw away the season. And that would really be a shame because you're wasting Joel Embiid's prime. And when you look at the Embiid factor of all this, and this was, bothers me more than anything. Like last week, sits out Monday night. Oh, Embiid, this Embiid, he, he's, he's soft. He doesn't want to be out there. He doesn't care about every game. He doesn't want to play every night. He needs load management, this stuff. Goes out, plays Wednesday. Oh, well, he looks hurt. You know, he, 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 it's not good enough for him to be out there playing. He's got to look completely healthy and completely fine. He's overplaying the injury. Like, what do you want from the guy? He is the entire team. He's the entire team. So, if your problem is with Joel Embiid or your problem's with, the, you know, Doc Rivers or Dow Morey, it's misplaced. Your pro- your your issue should be with Ben Simmons because he's put the team in this kind of situation. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Uh, I'm Tom Kelly. When we get back, we will unfortunately relive a, uh, a very upsetting memory in Eagles history. And I think this is what wor- this is the one thing that worries me about this game Tuesday night is the fact that it is on Tuesday night because we don't have much frame of reference for the Eagles playing on this day of the week, but the one time it did happen, uh, it, it it began a spiral uh, that, that sent one of the most fun seasons in Eagles history uh, careening out of control. So we'll talk about that when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Web, Chase. Still alive, and Webb will thread his way into the end zone. Touchdown, Minnesota. 
a lot of stuff going on, but through it all, the Minnesota Vikings come in and shock the Eagles 24 to 14. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. That was Al Michaels on the call from 11 years ago. Around this same time, uh, it was, I, I remember the second to last week of the regular season. And I hate to bring that up, but you have to. I mean, the Eagles are playing a Tuesday night game in December, and that brings back these horrible memories of Joe Webb. And I mean, it's the only, and I brought this up earlier, it's the only thing that Joe Webb is remembered for. And I, I actually think he had like a lengthy NFL career. He bounced around on a few different teams, mainly as like a special teams player. He wasn't even really like a quarterback. Like I, I remember, I think he was on the Texans for a while as a special teams player. Texans, and I want to say, did he play like a Bengals or Broncos or Brownston or something in there? Probably. Let, I'll, I'll double check. Yeah. yeah he, he bounced around a few teams. Yeah, you can tell because when I went to go pull those highlights, if you go to Joe Webb's career highlights, like half the video is that game. Yeah, and is it a little bit eerie that, like, because I felt that that way going into the game, where it was supposed to be Sunday night, and I remember at the time it was a huge snowstorm, and it gets snowed out, and the game gets rescheduled for Tuesday, and... The governor called us all a bunch of wusses. Right, and I thought, and but it's eerie because you're thinking, oh, well... Who are the Vikings playing at quarterback? Because Favre was out. I forget who their main backup was. It was not Joe Webb. Um, but uh, their other backup quarterback was out. So Joe Webb's starting, and it's like, oh, they have no chance. Washington could be in a very similar situation on Tuesday night. Like, are we going to be thinking of Kyle Shermer? The, the Kyle same Shermer way? or the Garrett Gilbert game? Yeah, the same way we're thinking of Joe Webb. It's a little scary. It is a little scary. The, the cards and the stars are aligning kind of. A little too similar yeah. in this particular case. And, and it's it's upsetting, though. Yeah, it, because when you think back to that game, and the, it, it was so weird because the Eagles, and I think they were like two touchdown favorites. I mean, nobody gave Minnesota a chance to win that game. And it it, it, it was so upsetting because that was such a fun year. And thing, something I think people forget is that was the week after that great, comeback against the Giants where Deshaun has that punt return Mike Vick leads that incredible comeback the Eagles win the division and if the Eagles had beaten the Vikings that day who knows how much different things would have been they would have I believed if not clinched a bye they would have set themselves up to clinch a bye the following week uh, against Dallas who was bad that year and the Eagles would have won that game. They they won that game anyway in a meaningless game. Um, but no, they lost to Dallas. Oh, they did. They well, lost four. Yeah, the okay. Giants game was the last game they won that year. Right. They lost to the Vikings. They lost to Dallas, and then they lost to Green Bay in the first round of the playoffs. Right. But I mean, I think if they if that game meant something, they probably would have beaten Dallas and, and secured that buy. And they might have even secured that buy with the win over the Vikings. But how different could things have gone? Because you look at how the playoffs worked out that year. Uh, the Packers probably would have played the Bears, who, I mean, they may have beaten. They ended up beating them in championship game. Part of that could have been with Cutler getting hurt. But the Eagles would have had a bye. They would have played a 7-9 and nine Seattle team in the second round because they upset the, the Saints that year. And then the Eagles could have been hosting a championship game against Green Bay or 
Chicago, I guess. I mean, they would have hosted, I guess, a championship game against Green Bay. You could could say things would have worked out similarly. The Eagles might have just lost a they couple rounds like, later, but who knows? As we're laying this out, what if the only reason that Aaron Rodgers even has a Super Bowl ring is because Joe Webb beat the Eagles? Maybe. Uh, and, man, that was just such a fun year, too, up until that point. Like, my, watching Michael Vick that year, and I know Wentz had a great year in 2017. Donovan had a great year in 04. Michael Vick in 2010 was the most fun I've ever had watching a football player in my life. And I remember the Michael Vick hysteria that year was out of control. We did a remote uh, and uh, in 2010. And we did like a Michael Vick show at a bar where he was uh, coming to make an appearance. And that place was so packed. Like he was such a big deal at that point. That team was so much fun. That was that was one of those fun years because you didn't expect it. Like nobody really expected that team to be that good. And who knows what would have happened if they won that game. But that that Tuesday night football just brings back bad memories. Hopefully we can change that uh that that trajectory on Tuesday night football tonight. That's for sure. Well, you know, everyone thinks of that game because how often do you play on Tuesday? Like something has to go wrong. Right. To play on Tuesday. Different reason this time around, not weather related, a little bit more controversial the pandemic pushing it to Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, we're all gonna remember this Eagles Washington game if it goes similar to this one. So hopefully uh they can write the ship in round two. Right. So uh, that 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 was our kind of uh, look back at the Joe Webb game from 11 years ago. I mean, Tuesday night football brings back bad memories. Hopefully the Eagles can give us a good memory on Tuesday night tonight when they take on Washington. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to George in Downingtown. What's up, George? Hey, what's going on, Tom? How's it going, man? Uh, yeah, hey, I got two things. Uh, you know we lost to Jamarcus Russell in that quarterback out of um, out of Washington last year. That that garbage quarterback. Uh, you know we got a we got a we got a uh, we got a history of losing to bad quarterbacks. The Eagles do. Um, yeah, I mean I the, to... that Jamarcus Russell game though, that was like two thousand two thousand nine. I think that's that's a long time ago. But, I'm just saying, yeah. he was horrible, and that quarterback from Washington was horrible last year. That was one of the only games he played good in. Yeah, Who was the quarterback player. last year for Washington? The guy that number one. Oh, Hask- oh Haskins. Yeah. Yeah. They lost player. to him. Yeah, that's Horrible true. Horrible quarterback. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I want to talk about Ben Simmons. Um. You you can't base your team future on Ben Simmons. If you 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 cannot because his, his value is so so unknown. It is so unknown. He, he, you, you have to you have to move on some kind of way from Ben Simmons. And the closer you get to the playoffs, the, 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 he's not his, his value goes plummet. Nobody wants Ben Simmons on their team in a playoff game. Five minutes left, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that you can't base your, your 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 team on his value. You know what I mean? Well, what, I mean, what are you gonna do then, George? Like because I don't. It's the last. It's the last like piece you have. Like once you trade Ben Simmons, you have no. You have nothing else of value to trade. Like you have no way to get better around Joel Embiid, and that's why Maury's playing this thing out the way that he is. Because once you make that move, you're you're done. Like you have nothing else you can do except 
pray that you luck into to great players in the draft, and where the Sixers are going to be drafting, that's unlikely. Yeah, I understand that, but if I'm a GM, and you think I'm giving up a good player, a known good player for Ben Simmons, it ain't happening. You know what I mean? Um, it's not happening, especially on my playoff team. It is not happening. That's yeah. What, you know, yeah. Huh? No, I, I, I hear you, George, and, and I appreciate it. And I think it's – but I do – I don't think his value is that low. I really don't. And I know, you know, people will come back and say, well, if it wasn't that low, then they'd get a good offer for him. It's not really the way it works, honestly, especially in the NBA. Like, there are periods when trades are made. Right now, I mean, in the offseason, that was a period when a trade would have been made. At that point – you know, the things that the Sixers need to happen didn't happen. Like, they needed Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal to demand a trade. They didn't do that. Um, the Sixers weren't able to get a deal done. And once the offseason passes, you really can't do much until after Christmas. Like, once you get into January, February, you get close to the trade deadline, I think the market will start to develop again. Maybe Portland does decide to move on. And, and I'm, I've said for weeks, if Portland does not trade Lillard, they're making a big mistake. And that's not to say that Damian Lillard isn't a fantastic player. I think he is a fantastic player. But they're not going to win anything with him. Like, with what because of the moves that they have made. And this is the situation that the Sixers could find themselves in is once you use up your cap space, once you use up your assets, you don't have any other ways to make your team better. Like, Portland has no no opportunity to make their team better around Damian Lillard, other than small moves. And small moves aren't getting you to where you need to get to. Same thing with Washington. Washington traded Russell Westbrook. That was kind of the one move that they had. They're not going to be good enough. Uh, you know, the only way that you can really look to reshape your roster is to trade the one-star player that you have. And that's why the Sixers are holding out, because Simmons does have value. I truly do believe that he has value. The market just hasn't really developed. And Daryl Morey understands. Like, Daryl Morey's not an idiot. That's another thing that I think has kind of been you know, confused a little bit here. Like, Daryl Morey's a good GM. He knows what he's doing. Like, he's not just going into this blindly and, you know, uh, hoping for something that's never going to happen. It may never happen, but I think it's got the possibility of happening. Um, And you got to wait, and you got to find a way to make the best move possible. And, And trading Simmons right now just wouldn't, make sense for the Sixers, and it's why you you can't do it right now. And it sucks. It sucks for everybody. It sucks for the guys on the team. It sucks for the fans, um, the organization. But unfortunately, you just don't have a, another option. And it, it's the, the biggest shame of it is Joel Embiid is playing once again at an MVP level. Um, and unfortunately, Ben Simmons not out on the floor. And you can't get anything. Uh, you can't get what you need for him right now. And until you feel like you're getting that kind of value, uh, we're going to be in this same situation that we've been in uh, for the last five or six months. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. When we get back, we will 
recap the Monday night games and also let you hear a pretty uh, a funny piece of sound that was picked up by the ESPN broadcast. We'll do that coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. In the next segment, when we wrap up the show, I have some truly shocking sound for you from Bill Belichick at his press conference on Monday afternoon. A Bill Belichick that I never thought that I would hear. Um, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, we'll get to Belichick in the next segment here and what he had to say uh, about his press conference after the game on Saturday night when the Patriots lost to the Colts. And I saw what was the deal with Wentz on Saturday night uh, where I, I was watching the game. I was flipping back, back and forth between that and the, uh, the UFC fights that night. But Wentz got into it with Matthew Judon and it had something to do with, uh, do, do you have the cut, Dan, uh, number three here, where Carson Wentz had got into it with Matt Judon on Saturday night, and here's what Wentz had to say when asked about it. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been that fired up on a football field. Uh, Lord knows how long. Um, don't need to go into the specifics, obviously, but you know, when a man's ability to reproduce is being in question and there's some other extracurriculars, uh, you know, Guys' hands need to be in their side. Uh, let's just say that. And uh, when that happens, you can get pretty riled up, as I, I would expect a lot of people would. So, um, yeah, not fun. Um, that's kind of confusing to me. I Did Wentz just, like, take a joke too seriously? Well, I don't know, I don't know. with what demeanor he said it in. Right. I, I can't repeat it on the air, but I have an idea of uh, what he right. might have said. I mean, I'm assuming. But things get said on the football field. I mean, this can't be the first time Wentz has heard this kind of thing on a football on an nfl football field well it sounds like you're surprised that carson wentz is being a little overly sensitive (laughs) that's a good point it's a good when you phrase it that way dan i guess uh i I guess you you make a good point there but um you know (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll get to the belichick sound uh coming up uh next here but the colts get that win and we talked a little bit about the wentz thing last night it's becoming increasingly obvious that the eagles won that trade i mean he completed five passes on saturday night for 57 yards, they're winning in spite of him. Like, they are not winning because of Carson Wentz or anything that he is doing at all. And, and I the mean, biggest news is they all but clinched the draft pick. Yeah. And I, th- right. The, the, I mean, the Eagles basically clinched the draft pick. They're getting the first round pick. I, I feel like the Colts have got to be regretting that trade. Like, they need to be. I mean, he is, to me, he's the only thing holding them back from winning a Super Bowl. And that's not even an anti-Carson Wentz thing. Like, Frank Reich is, I think, proving to be a really good coach. Like, I've joked about it over the past couple of years that he's been given so much credit so quickly, but Frank Reich has put together a pretty impressive resume uh, over the last couple of years. Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in football. That defense is legitimately a top 10 defense, if not top five, but they only thing they can't throw the, QB. the ball. Only thing that they're missing is the QB. Right. And Wentz, you know, they clearly don't trust him. Like, they clearly don't trust him to make plays when they're only throwing the ball a handful of times. Um, and I just don't think you can win that way in the playoffs, especially in that conference uh, with a, a lot of really good teams. So 
we'll, we'll get to Bill Belichick in the next segment here, and we'll get to some sound from uh, John Harbaugh as well, uh, as was captured on the field as he, he's been criticized for that idea of going for two points. Uh, but we'll get to that as well in the next segment. But I did want to recap the Monday night games real quick. Um, first, the, the AFC game with the Browns and the Raiders. Uh, Nick Mullins leads the Browns back late. Nick Mullins, who was here for uh, training camp, was not good at all, um, but gets the opportunity to play with Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum out. Led the Browns down the field late, gave them the lead, but the Browns couldn't hang on. I never understand why defenses do this. Like The Browns had their way with the Raiders all day, and then on that last possession, they just started playing like this soft defense, allowing completions, and it's like, okay, you want to allow completions in the middle of the field? These teams, these offenses are well-coached enough to where they know how to get up the line of scrimmage quickly, and time's not that much of a factor. And, I mean, the Browns played lax. They end up giving up a field goal, and their season's probably over because of it. Yeah, you got to keep your foot on the gas pedal. No one likes the uh, Jim Schwartz sticks defense where you're just playing off because it just never works. Like, yeah. literally, it never works. Yeah, and the Browns, you know, that was a significant loss for them. Raiders and Browns now both 7-7, seven and seven, and I, I think the Browns uh, are pretty much done after that loss. And that division is just cannibalizing each other with the Ravens and the Bengals, Steelers and, and Browns. Brown, All still in it. The Browns are 7-7 seven and seven, They're in last place. Like, imagine that. That's, that, that's pretty tough. Um, and then you had the Bears and Vikings game. And... I I am back on the air at 6 p.m. on Wednesday filling in for Joe Giglio. If Matt Nagy is still the coach of the Bears at that point, I I have no words. Like, I don't know how uh, he's lasted this long, to be honest with you. I, I predicted him to be the first coach fired this season. I, I didn't see the Gruden thing coming. Like, I don't think anybody and Urban Meyer. that coming. Oh, and right. Two. Urban There's Meyer. literally already been two. Urban Meyer would have been a good bet. Like, honestly. He, he didn't even was, make it through one season. Yeah. That was predictable. The, oh, this was another Seinfeld thing. There was a viral tweet the other day. I don't know if you saw it, but someone basically reenacting a Seinfeld scene, and it was like George saying, like, I finally got fired. And Jerry goes, well, what did you do? And he goes, I kicked the kicker. And he goes, you mm. kicked the kicker. And then Kramer's like, I forget what the exact dialogue of it was, but it basically sounded like a Seinfeld bit where they're like, how did you get fired for kicking the kicker? Like, it sounded made gotcha. up. Yeah. Gotcha. I, uh, I'll have to check that out. But um, the Vikings win. The Bears were just totally inept. Like, they move the ball. They get in the red zone, and, and the play calling was just terrible. Uh, Justin Fields taking sacks. There was one fourth and one where – they call a rollout, and then Justin Fields just has no options to throw the ball, just takes a sack, and it, it was really bad. And the Bears have one instance where they might be able to get back in the game. They throw a ball to the end zone, appears to be a touchdown, but the receiver pretty clearly out of bounds. I don't know if this was like desperation. I guess it was desperation. But uh, Matt Nagy challenges the play. Uh, it was not overturned. But the best part of this was – uh, you know, there's some silence during the Monday night broadcast as they're reviewing this play, and you can hear a fan from the stands uh, calling out what the uh, result of this review will be. Hey, could you make that out, Dan? After further review, we suck. Yes, I could make it out said. loud and clear. So there I, was I, no, no wondering what the guy said. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah, Matt Nagy. Just uh, they they got to get rid of them. 
I mean, uh, maybe that's another place Doug could go. Young quarterback. I do think Justin Fields has some potential, um, but man, that organization, they have fallen off quickly. And as we mentioned earlier, all started with that double doinking. I mean, Matt Nagy comes in his rookie year, wins the division, wins 12 games. Um, They're a hot pick to run through the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. And uh, the Cody Parkey misses that kick and it was all downhill from there. So uh, that was the recap of the Monday night games. We get back. Wrap up the show, uh, give you one last prediction for Eagles-Washington, and uh, we will hear truly shocking sound from Bill Belichick. So that's coming up next. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for a few more minutes here before we talk to Al for the Overlap Show. Uh, Time to squeeze in another call or two if you want to get in, 215-592-592. Nine four nine four. Uh, talking about the Sixers tonight, they get a big win over the Celtics in Boston on Monday night, 108-103. Sixers shorthanded, no Tyrese Maxey, Furkan Korkmaz, George Niang, Andre Drummond, and still able to get the win. Joel Embiid, 41 points, uh, 10 rebounds, just did it all for the Sixers down the stretch of this game on both ends of the floor. Um, Tobias Harris and Seth Curry both had good nights. But uh, other than that, no other Sixers in double figures in this game. And uh, MB just continues to carry them. Uh, the Sixers get the win. Um, let's see. Who you remember they... the last time any NBA team had one bench point? No. That's the Sixers had tonight. <laughs> yeah, the one uh, from Isaiah from Joe. From Isaiah Joe, hit a free throw. Zero bench field goals, one total bench point. I don't think I've ever seen that before. I'll tell you what, Isaiah Joe is really not doing much for them. Uh, he's getting a lot of minutes. Like the other night, he played, I think, twenty-five minutes and he didn't score. Twenty-six minutes and one point. You need, you need more. Yeah, they could use some more depth. I mean, look, Korkmaz has been in and out of the lineup, and he's not giving you much either when he plays. And so you try and work Isaiah Joe. He's not giving you a whole lot. Team's not exactly deep, uh, no. as we as we pointed out. So not exactly the, the, the bench not giving you much, but one bench point. I I do not remember in all my years watching the Sixers or the NBA in general in any game seeing one bench point and winning the game and winning the game <laughs> yeah. with one bench point that's maybe even more shocking but uh the Sixers do get the win uh they are back at it on Thursday night when they play the they play the Hawks again I feel like they played the Hawks already three times this year they've hosted the, they hosted the Hawks they played there they played there they went they hosted them mm. like late October they played there and I believe this is the third of four meetings okay all right. Well, so they got them. But, you know, obviously the Hawks in some COVID protocols this week, too. Trey Young going oh. on the COVID list. So and, you know, in terms of what the NBA would want, the NBA, I would imagine, is overly cautious with that game because the Hawks playing at the Knicks at Madison Square Garden noon on Christmas, two days later. If there's any risk, they will not because they need Trey Young to play in that. game. Oh, yeah, definitely. As a league. So, yeah, but that's the last uh, Sixers home game before they go in their annual uh, Christmas to New Year's trip there, so okay, that that'll be a Festivus game. Sounds good. Yes, Festivus game. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me about Festivus coming I'm up gonna, on Thursday. Yeah, I, I've I've you have a show on Thursday. Are you gonna have some grievances? To, well, oh, I mean, I guess my my uh, Festivus punishment is from six to seven. I'm on with Howard, so are you? So you're that's how some, I'm celebrating. Festivus. The, I think the feats of strength. I don't think his hour ends until you pin him. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> well, um, that's all the feats of strength. Look, I don't make the rules. It just is what it is. I'll see. I'll see if Howard even knows what Festivus is. So. I'll bring in a poll. Okay, there you go. Um, but uh, Sixers back at it Wednesday or Thursday night when they play Atlanta. Uh, Flyers playing the Caps tonight. And as you heard uh, in the KYW update during the break, a lot of traffic. If you're going to either of these games tonight, I mean, it's probably I, I if you can take public transportation i would suggest it um because flyers and eagles both playing at the same time um it could be messy down there but the flyers hosting the caps tonight before the nhl goes on a little bit of a pause to deal with their covid situation so we'll see if the flyers can get uh, a victory in a big game against the capitals and then of course eagles and washington tonight at the link after 16 days, Eagles finally uh, back to work here. And, I mean, it's been a long time since they've played. Uh, 16 days during a football season without seeing your team feels like an eternity. It's been an even longer time since Jalen Hurts has played. It's been nearly a month uh, since he's been out there and coming off a, a poor performance against the Giants. So hopefully Hurts can bounce back tonight. He was a full participant at practice on Monday. He should play. I mean, the Eagles... Aside from Landon Dickerson and Andre Dillard, and keep your fingers crossed that there are no additions uh, to the COVID list before this game kicks off tonight. But other than those two guys, the Eagles completely healthy. Everybody else, full participants at practice. Um, Jalen Hurts is expected to start, and hopefully he can bounce back. I have concerns about this game. Um more than anything because of the rust factor. I mean, the Eagles have not played in a long time here. Now, this is a game they're expected to win. It's a game they should win, and I think they will win. Like, I I, I do think the Eagles will win the game, but I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be close. I'm going the Eagles 25-22, um, and regardless who the quarterback is, whether it's Heineke, whether it is Kyle Allen, Sher- Kyle Shermer, Garrett Gilbert, to me, I'm looking at that defensive line. They need to get pressure in this game. And offensively, get the ball to Devontae Smith. Get the ball to Dallas Goddard. uh, Give those guys an opportunity to make plays. But I'm taking the Eagles 25-22. Do you have a prediction for this game, Dan? Yeah, I think 24-20 is the score I've been rolling with here. So not too far off. I feel like this is like a four-point win. Uh, Definitely hard to predict, though. I can't remember the last time we were entering a game for any reason where on one side you could have one of possibly four quarterbacks, and until maybe the last 24 to 48 hours, we didn't even know who the Eagles quarterback was going to be. Like, we we literally know from the quarterback all the way down, we know very little about what these two rosters are going to look like, especially on the Washington side. Ultimately, if I had to make a score prediction, it does feel like at least one of those guys, Washington, will have to get back. This game's going to go off. feels like Jalen Hurts plays for the Eagles. I do expect them to win, not necessarily pretty, but... Uh, I th- I'm feeling like a four-point win, so they won't cover, but they'll they'll be about 44 total points scored in this game, and they'll win by say four or so. Okay, and then the other game, I mean, let's pick the other game as well: Rams and Seahawks. Rams giving up seven at home. I'm bummed. Like I, and I, I was trying to figure this out with Tyre last night. Is this like a TV rights thing that they gotta? Do it this way, like I, as a late night guy, I would love the Eagles to play at seven and have Rams and Seahawks yeah. at ten o'clock. I'm not exactly sure why they did. So, courtesy, I was looking at this the other day when I was uh, producing for Glenn and Ray. So, five oh six sports is usually pretty good about any Sunday. Like 
laying out who gets what game in what part of the country. I'm not exactly sure because this game is starting at four o'clock in L.A. local right. time, which is not is like people think it's inconvenient here on a weekday or a work night to have it randomly rescheduled and make it that like maybe you work nine to five, try and make it down to the link in two hours. If you live in L.A., like you can't even work tomorrow or like right. work later today and attempt to get there. So I don't know exactly why they're doing it this way. I do know it's about 50 50 split throughout the country. As you can imagine, most of the East Coast getting the Eagles game, most of the West Coast getting this game. I don't exactly know because on Monday night, they those were two national TV games, so they had to be staggered. Right. So nothing's allowed to go against Monday night football. And the other one was a Saturday game, which was also supposed to be a national TV game. So that settled that. These were supposed to be two local games. But still, you're right. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You've Kind of similar to what they do with the Monday night doubleheader every year. The Eagles game should have started at 7, and then you start the Seahawks-Rams at 10, which would have been 7 in California. Yeah, that's what I thought they were going to do, but uh, both games at the same time. Rams giving up 7. I don't know. I'd like the Rams to win the game. I think a touchdown is a lot to lay, though, especially with the issues the Rams have had. I'll take the Rams 26-21 in this game. That's probably about right. Uh, I'll, I'll take them to win, again, maybe by... I'll say they win by a touchdown, 27-20. Okay, sounds good. And uh, before we get out of here, I needed to I needed to play this. I saw this on Monday, and just like uh, I said earlier, I, I've been just rattled all show uh, by the revelation that Buck Showalter is only 65 years old when I thought he was 65 years old 25 years ago. But this was even more shocking to me uh, because Bill Belichick was doing his uh, press conference on Monday. And I've never seen this side of Bill Belichick before. I mean, we know Bill Belichick is surly, uh, as, you know, uh, doesn't like speaking to the media and is unapologetic about it. Um, But apparently even he thought his behavior after the game on Saturday night was out of line. Here was Bill Belichick on Monday offering an apology to the media for his behavior Saturday night. I'll just start off here. Um, look, fellas, I apologize if, you know, I seemed like I was a little short with you after the game. Um, you know, obviously a frustrating game. Down 20 to nothing. Didn't do anything well enough. I mean, there isn't really much to say at that point without watching the film. Clearly, we had problems in every area. So, you know, there was no no simple answer and you know every play could have been better every every area of coaching could have could have been better every area of playing could have been better and any of that would have helped so um you know not not really trying to be short but honestly there wasn't too much to say i don't know that there's a whole lot more to say now but you know it's not your fault it was a frustrating game. <laughs> did that shock you as Who much as that? Shocked me? What did he do with Bill Belichick? I, I my favorite part of that is Belichick talking uh, about his press conference Saturday night, like him being short with the media is, is something that's abnormal. Like you're always short with the media. That's kind of your thing. What are you apologizing for, Bill? Everybody expects that of you. Yeah, I mean that would be like. Seriously, what what would that be like? I mean, what what is like a shtick that someone had? Like his entire shtick. I have a theory on this. I have a theory on this. Okay. I mean, it would, be, it would be like you apologizing for being like angry at social media things. True. Good. That, that, that's a good one. Uh, good. Good uh, analogy. There. Yes. Exactly. But right. 
I, I this is my theory on it is Belichick saw all the people mocking Brady for being a bad sport on Sunday night. You know, he throws the iPad. He tells the Saints coach, go bleep himself. He's, you know, getting in fights with Saints players. And I think this Belichick saw the opportunity. Okay, well, they're all see, jumping on Brady for being a sore loser. This is an opportunity for me to take the high road. I think that's what happened here. But he never does that. Like, that's but, so but out he, of character. But he, I think he truly, like, wants to get whatever kind of, you know, edgy, edgy Ken over Brady. He, I, I think 20 he, years later, I think he really hates Brady. I do. So I think he appreciates Brady, but I think he, he kind of hates him. So for 20 years, you're short with the media. You're you win. You're the grumpy guy that never gives any information on anything. Look, it's the only thing I can think of. Other and, than and that, Tom I, Brady gets caught throwing an iPad. And on Monday, you're like, ah, oh, let's. Let's ease up on these guys. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense why he'd apologize to the media of all people. I mean, Bill Belichick doesn't apologize to anyone. The media, to his players, to anyone. Right. About anything. Yeah. I don't know. It it was very out of character. Well, that's the only theory that I have. But that was Bill Belichick apologizing to the media. Yeah. It's it's honestly just as good of a theory. Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, But... That was Bill Belichick, uh, and, and I would say maybe a little sexist, too, at the beginning of that. Listen, fellas, I mean, it's not all male reporters in the assembled media, I'd Isn't imagine. that like how people say, listen, guys, though, when, like, it's not necessarily— like I think I guess. I, like, I, guys, at its yeah core definition, isn't a gender-neutral term, but people use it that way. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I don't think he was intending to be sexist. Fa- yeah. Fair enough. I had a gripe the other night, like— uh, when somebody was freaking out about a woman being portrayed a certain way in the Kevin James Sean Payton movie, it's like it's a it's oh a, because it's a doesn't... Kevin James movie uh, uh, where he's playing Sean Payton. It's not all that serious. By the way, how about him being cast for that? Movie? Oh, that's ridiculous. Adam Sandler apparently is. Yeah. I think his production company's in charge of it, so it makes sense he cast one of his friends. But, of course. I mean, I look more like. Sean Payton than he does. <laughs> you actually do kind of look like a young Sean. Payton. Do I? Okay, that was uh, kind a, of a joke. A I didn't little, little, a bit. little bit. Well, maybe I should be cast in the movie. more than Kevin James. Yes, um, but that'll do it for the show tonight. Thank you to Dan Wilson for producing. I am not on this shift the rest of the week. I will be back on in for Joe Giglio on Wednesday and Thursday, and then I will be in for the afternoon show on Christmas Eve Friday. So uh, that's where you can find me the rest of the week. Um, hopefully the Eagles win tonight. I'm taking the Eagles 25, 22, uh, and next up we'll get Al's take on it. We'll talk to Al for the overlap show. That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 